severe amount of rain that we got yesterday. Of course, yesterday was the wedding here at Fort Fest. And great wedding, by the way. Like It was. It was a lot of fun. Lot, it was very enjoyable. A lot of people, a lot of fun. I mean... You know, every event has its share of difficulties and that kind of a thing. And, you know, this was no exception. But uh, overall, everybody had a great time. Uh, There was not anybody that I saw or bumped into who was like, man, this thing's, you know, nobody had anything negative to say about the whole thing. And and, uh, and the party went on until the wee hours and good times were had. Yeah, it was absolutely enjoyable. I loved it. And I think everyone who took part in it, like, had a good time. It was a very weird experience, though. Like, I'm not, like, used to, I don't want to say being in charge because there's an anarchist wedding and no one is in charge, right? <laughs> and that was especially true yesterday. Yeah. That there were people asking me questions and, like, I, I don't have the answer to this. Why are you asking me? I don't know. Right. Do uh, the photographer asked me if I had seen someone else or something or if I knew where they were supposed to set up? I was like, well, I'm an anarchist, and the other two, the two people getting married are anarchists, so do whatever you want. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just don't hurt anyone and don't take their stuff. Yeah. And that's pretty much what ended up happening. Of course, the wedding was delayed by about 15 minutes. Like, right before the wedding was due to start, there was a medical incident. I, I haven't uh, said anything about this yet, but uh, uh, what I will say about it is that uh, Nikki, in her wedding gown, was so stunning that one of the groomsmen had a little bit of a, an issue and had needed to be tended to by the uh, the paramedics. Well, that that's an interesting way of looking at it. But, of course, no one had seen Nikki at that point. Only the bridesmaids and I think myself had seen Nikki at that point. So this person hadn't seen her. He had some sort of medical issue. And I like my story better. They had to call an ambulance, and we waited. And I had to make an announcement letting people know, hey, we there's been a medical issue, so just be, be chill, be patient. And then, surprisingly, the ambulance got here within, like, 15 minutes. They were insanely fast. I've never seen an ambulance arrive that quickly inside of an actual city. Right, yeah. And here we are in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. They got here within 10 minutes, I think. By by 5.15, within 20 minutes of this happening, they had this guy loaded up, and they had departed. Yep. And then the wedding proceeded as normal, except, of course, for the, the rain, which... Wasn't really an issue. I knew yesterday, as soon as the day started, that I was going to get wet all day long. Yeah. So I make peace with that very early on. But it was a candle lighting ceremony. And <laughs> it perhaps was not the most put together of ideas, right? Well, it wasn't put together at all. It was a Nikki gave me a script and goes, Okay, here's this. And I didn't realize until yesterday that I was the the sound engineer for the wedding, so to speak. Like, I was the one tasked with setting everything. You provided the speakers. And, like, that. Then everyone just landed up. I I got no direction about what to do. Right, yeah. I was told that there needed to be music after the ceremony. Yep. And the person who's doing that, frustratingly, the person whose phone was doing the intro music before the wedding and who started doing the music after the ceremony, apparently doesn't know how Bluetooth works. Wandered away. It wandered away repeatedly. <laughs> and I'm like, well, first of all, you're at a wedding. If you don't need your phone, just set it down. Yeah. Open in your pocket. But like, so that was frustrating. Every few minutes, the music just like cut out, and then it would return. It's like, I'm going to go find this guy uh-huh. and choke him. But it was otherwise very beautiful. I messed up a lot during the ceremony, as one is likely to do. It's not the the satanic script that I would normally have used. Like I said, Nikki provided it. Yeah. I did my best to memorize it, but 
I've got a lot in my brain these days. Sure. And my ability to memorize things was not, you know, at 100% capacity. Plus, I only got it like a week ago. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of time to prepare and memorize it. It was like it, me trying to memorize the lyrics for Broken Man. Yeah, a week more or less. Before we, we played it. And it was a lot of talking, probably among the most talking I've seen within a wedding ceremony, yeah. possibly in my whole life. And I haven't been to a lot of weddings. So, how many have you performed? I've only performed none. That no, yesterday, so this was first. Okay, yes. so for your first one, I think it went off pretty well. Yeah, I think it went fine. Yeah. I mean, there, there there were no major issues. Yeah. I went off script a number of times, and I wish I had gone off script more. But I didn't want to because I didn't want to feel like I was ruining Nikki's special day. You know, sure. weddings are very important to people. Yes. And she gave me this script, so I tried to stick to it as much as possible. But that's not in my nature, right? I had a script for when I you at my sentencing hearing. Yeah. yeah. At my sentencing hearing, I had a script. When I spoke in favor of CACR 32, the secession bill here in New Hampshire, I had a script. On both of those occasions, I was like, yeah, I brought this thing to read, but I'm not going to read that. I'd rather just talk to you directly. Right. Because that's just more in my nature. As you mentioned, I'm more of an ad-libber. However, I didn't want to screw up her wedding. And in hindsight, Nikki knew what she was getting into when she asked me to be the officiator. Oh, yeah. So, I should have been a little bit more loose in that regard and more willing to ad lib instead of having to pause to read what I was supposed to say next. I should have just made something up. But all in all, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. The only real issue during the ceremony, of course, was that the candles didn't want to <laughs> light. Stay lit, yeah. And that's really awkward when I'm standing up there saying, these candles are representative of your uniqueness, your autonomy, mm-hmm. your individuality, and use them together. Oh, they went out as you got married. Sorry about that. <laughs> Pay no mind to that, people. That's not you, symbolic of anything. You should have got anything. those uh, those trick candles that stay lit. Someone had mentioned that, but <laughs> you got to get them lit in the first place right, for those yeah, to yeah. work. And, and that of course, was... hindsight is always twenty twenty. You look back on a thing and you're like, oh, maybe if I'd have done there, whatever. You can't really critique yourself that hard. I think it was fine. Everybody had a good time. You did yep. well for your having never done that before. I thought you showed some leadership. It was great. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, leadership doesn't come naturally to me, but I realized at one point that I was the one with the microphone. So, mm-hmm. and someone had to make an announcement. I was like, oh. I uh, neglected to bring. Uh, I was going to bring a microphone and a cable for uh, my speakers, so that folks, if they needed to say something or uh, you know whatever or during the toast, if they wanted a microphone, and I didn't bring it, uh, and I would have had to dig a whole bunch of stuff out of. Uh, the vehicle that I brought here. Well, I had one. It. The issue with all of that was I severely overestimate the average person, the average person's ability to do anything in mm-hmm. regard to technology. Like the guy who was controlling the music, and in order to switch to the microphone, you had to manually press a button to switch it to auxiliary or mic input or whatever input, and then afterward switch back to Bluetooth. And then whoever's person was using the Bluetooth would have to reconnect to the device and resume playing the music. Right. And that is a big hurdle for people, apparently. Like, I had to step this dude through this repeatedly yesterday. Like, okay, now you have to reconnect afterward. Press this button three times, then reconnect, and then press the playlist again. It's right. Like, that. It's so obvious to me that I wouldn't even think about giving those instructions to someone. So I, I tried to keep it as simple and pos- as possible. And that was why afterward I just I felt it was easier to have the microphone going to one particular speaker Agreed. and the music going through another speaker. Quality and all of that crap aside, yeah. I got tired of trying to direct people to <laughs> like either one, just give me the Bluetooth and tell me what playlist you want because I know how to do this right. stuff. Or two 
we're going to find a different situation that requires minimal effort from me. Yeah, when you're a wizard, it's difficult to explain your wizardry to non-wizards. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't consider that, you know, wizardry. It was... You don't consider it wizardry, but but you... I mean, you live in tech, right? Yeah, I guess. You know, like, compared to a regular person, you know, their experience in tech is, you know, basically two, three steps tops. You know, download an app, open the app, do what they got to do in the app, and then that's it. They don't... You know, most folks don't comprehend networks and, you know, overlap and, uh, you know, bleed, audio bleed, all that kind of stuff. Radio interference, right? It's just not stuff that most folks comprehend. And I like the guy. And I don't want to sound like I'm talking crap about him or anything yeah. like that. Like, we all have our skills and stuff. And technology is just not in sure. his, you know, forte. And, and that's fine. But I... I thought everyone like used Bluetooth regularly, daily throughout their lives, right? I do this and don't even think about it. My car is Bluetooth. I, I, I get frustrated if I have to get in my car and press the play button on Spotify because it, it should connect automatically yeah. and start playing. So I'm just sort of used to technology being set up to work when I want it to work. And this is why I like older printers. Like I had a printer mm. in my studio that printed all the time, every time, no matter what. And yep. all it did was print. Yep. Versus one of these all-in ones that you constantly... Scanner, printer, yeah. fax machine, it'll you know wash your unmentionables. And they constantly lose their IP addresses. They have to be updated. They, yeah. they you got a, about a 30, 70 chance of it actually printing. If you let it sit there for six months without using it and you go to print, there's a really good chance it's just not going to print. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to spend the next three hours troubleshooting what's wrong with it. So anyway, today's episode kind of disjointed. My dog is in a mood today, man. So she's now sitting up there in the hotel room because she's being very defensive and territorial, very uncooperative. I knew she was wound up, right? Like every day when I come down here, I try to walk her around the the campground once to let her burn out that energy because she's, you know, she's a two-year-old and she's super excited. We didn't get that in today, Uh. but... That's no excuse. When I tell her to stop barking, she knows to stop barking, and she just was not doing it. This is not her space. Your dog's an anarchist, man. Well, no, she doesn't get to be an anarchist. She's my dog, and she's going to do as I damn well tell her to do. That's the point of having a dog. Anarchy dog. My cats can be anarchists all they want, but my dog is not a cat, and is not going to act like one. She's going to act like a dog, and she's normally very, very well behaved, but for whatever reason... I mean, it's because we didn't get that walk-in. So she's up in the hotel room now, and she's she's in timeout. And she's smart enough to know that she's in timeout, because literally as I took her away, she was barking and being uncooperative. I was like, Mm -hmm. nope, come on. So now she's sitting up there going, oh, I guess I probably should have listened, huh? Yeah, maybe. So if she keeps this up, she'll just get to come out for walks and playtime, and then she'll just spend her whole park fest in the hotel room. But obviously, it, it's my fault. I didn't get that walk-in with her. Yeah. We'll get that walk-in today, and she'll be so much better afterwards. So, But for the time being, she hasn't got that walk, so she gets to play with cats. And she likes yeah. the cats, so she's fine. Yeah. But I mean, she wants to be territorial. She can be territorial of the motel room. Like, yeah. bark at people who come in there, girl. You're doing great. There are a, a number of dogs here, and uh, folks are, you know, all of the dogs so far, I haven't seen anything you know, in the meetings of other dogs or when people walk dogs by other dogs, not just yours, but other dogs. Like, all the dogs seem to be 
uh, well-behaved and yep. well-managed. Yeah, and she's super chill. She's met most of the dogs here, hasn't had any real issue. There was someone at the wedding yesterday who had a dog that should not have been there. Mm-hmm. He was a bit aggressive and growly and barky at people. Was, was it like, the little punting dog? Uh, no, it was a uh, larger one. Okay. I, I think he was a boxer, maybe. Uh, he may have been a boxer. Anyway, it seemed to me like if it was my dog, I wouldn't have brought him to an event that contained a bunch of dogs. And of course, by that point, I had walked Azria repeatedly, so she was extremely well-behaved, just sort of sat beside me the entire time. But yeah. that's not today. And yeah. again, this is all my fault for waking up late and then having miscellaneous issues that I had to deal with this morning on top of a correction that I need to make about yesterday. I said that Roger Paxton was in charge of the Porcupine Freedom Festival in the year that Ian got banned. I don't rem- I'm pretty sure that part is true, but the way I said it, it made it sound like Roger Paxton was the one who got Ian banned. And oh, that's I not see. the case. And I did not mean to suggest that at all. Roger sure. Paxton actually was the one who fought for Ian to get unbanned. Roger was the one who went through the meetings, the, the minutes of the Free uh, State Project meetings, to determine mm-hmm. that Ian had only been banned for a year and not in perpetuity. So Roger was like single-handedly responsible for Ian being unbanned. Right. But I, I do believe he was the one who organized the festival on the year that Ian was banned. Okay. I could be mistaken, but I rem- that was my first year, and I didn't know what was going on. But I, Roger and Jessica did a Q&A at the pavilion down there. And I know that several people, uh, m- notably uh, Mikey, who now himself has been banned, held their feet to the flames over this and asked, you know, I want to know where is Ian Freeman? Why isn't Ian Freeman here? Right. Will you please tell us why Ian Freeman ha- is not allowed at Pork right. Fest? Like, we're not answering that next question, right? Not answering that? Yeah, uh, they said something to that effect. And yeah. like I said, it was my first year here, so I didn't really even understand what was going on. I, I wasn't here that year, so I can't speak to it personally. But I knew that something was off, something wasn't right, and I think I knew of Ian at that point, but we had never actually spoken. But So Roger did not... Get Ian banned. And as it turns out, Carla Garrick was, in fact, one of the people who voted in favor of banning Ian. And I suggested that she didn't do anything authoritarian during her role as the Porcupine Freedom Fest organizer. And that's still true. She wasn't one of the organizers at the time that she voted to have Ian banned. Mm. But while she was an organizer, to my knowledge, she didn't do anything like... There is a long list of people who are now banned. Like last night... Someone I, tried to come to Forkfest, yeah. and there's no controversy around this person. This person hasn't been banned, right. but he arrived late, and he insisted that he had a Porkfest ticket, but he was told that they weren't going to allow him to check in. And as far as I can tell, they thought that he was one of the people who had been banned and that he was trying to gatecrash the event, that he was trying to check in early and then overstay his welcome huh. during the Porcupine Freedom Festival. That's my best guess. Yeah. Of course, the... They're not going to say exactly what happened here. And it was it was Crosby, the owner of the campground. So you can't be like, Crosby, why aren't you letting this in? It's his campground. Yeah, I guess in the end, it's his campground. He can do what he wants. Yeah. So the speculation is going around that now people being banned from the Porcupine Freedom Festival are inadvertently also banned from ForkFest. Which is not the case, because ForkFest doesn't have a banned list. ForkFest doesn't have an organizer. ForkFest doesn't require ticketing. Right, but Roger's campground is owned by Crosby. Yes. And if Crosby is enforcing the Porcupine Freedom Festival ban list across the entire campground year-round, then getting banned from the Porcupine Freedom Festival is a ban from Roger's campground. And I don't think that's right. And I don't think that's what was meant to be the case. I really think it was a misunderstanding because right now, off the top of my head, Mikey, 
Rochelle Kelly, uh, Footloose, Christopher Cantwell are all banned. And there's probably a few more. But no one in the Rogers Campground office has any idea what those four people look like. <laughs> there's no mug shots hanging up? No, there aren't. And I've been in there repeat Every day I go in there to get two bags of ice, because when you're in the motel, you get two yep. bags of ice, and I need those to keep stuff cool. And th- there's no mug shots of these people. They probably have a list with their names on it. Mm-hmm. So they have no way of knowing if someone tr- banned tries to check in under a different name. Right. So I suspect that's what was going on. Yeah, it seems to me the, the reasonable conclusion is that there was just some sort of misunderstanding. But the guy has since been allowed in. He is he is now officially here. And amazingly, he did have a Porcupine Freedom Festival ticket. And I don't know why, being a, unable to pull up the email saying, hey, look, here's my ticket, wasn't sufficient. Yeah. But I guess in theory, like Mikey, the snack Jew, he calls himself the snack Jew, by the way, yeah. would be able to pull up his own Pork Fest ticket and say, no, see, look, I'm allowed. Mikey, by the way, expected to arrive today. <laughs> I was expecting him earlier, but he is arriving today, apparently, and man, that's going to be interesting. Uh, I neither condone nor condemn this. I am just reporting on it. I did initially offer him a space here at RV46 at the Free Talk Live site. I did. I said, hey, you, if you want to set your vending stuff up here at the FTL site, you know, go for it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to make sure it's safe or anything. It'll be as safe as it is anywhere else, but you're, you're welcome to set it up here. I didn't say during Fork Fest only, but I also did not say I would have to make you take it down for the Porcupine Freedom Festival, right? He doesn't have to be here. His his stall is entirely unmanned. Yeah. In theory, he could set his stuff up, leave, and then come back on the 26th and collect his money. Right, yeah. I, I doubt he would do that, and I... I tend to think it would be unwise to leave these buckets of cash laying around for yeah. that length of time. He does have the self-checkout system, though. Right. Yeah. It, it's all self-serve. I'm interested. I brought some new flags this year to the FTL site. I see that. I'm really digging the uh, pentagram. Yes, that is the Church of Satan emblem. And, of course, behind you is an LGBTQ pride flag. I'm going to move that one because right now it's partially covering up the Free Talk Live sign, but it's going to require me doing a lot of work. And I wanted to get the show started recording before I got into any of that stuff because I like having time to wake up and get my day going mm-hmm. before I do a bunch of like physical stuff. So I suspect that LGBTQ sign will disappear at some point. I, I'm so convinced this is going to happen that I want to ask Matt Roach for a trail cam. Oh, I see. So that we can point it at it because it's not going to survive. And th- there's a reason I hung it right there at the front, right? Instead of the one over here on the side that people probably aren't going to. Plus, it's a rainbow. It's going to get noticed. And some butthurt conservative is going to do something about it. Or if it doesn't get stolen, it's going to get vandalized and slashed with knives or something like that. I'm I'm willing to bet I hope not. a seems... 25-er gold back that that happens. Of course, no one's going to take that back, but I'm willing to bet that. Seems like uh, something that, well, shouldn't happen amongst a crew of libertarians. It Well, not everyone here is a libertarian. I understand, but still, and, and that's part of the, the non-aggression principle should permeate... Uh, you know, the campground. It should, but with the Porcupine Freedom Festival inviting people who are specifically not libertarians, and some of them explicitly threatening violence. Maybe RFK will come over here and slash it. I doubt that RFK will, but (laughs) Vivek might. Maj might. Or any of the other conservatarians who like Maj might do it. And I 
I, I will be sad to see that happen. But this is this flag wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of the conservatives trying to make you know trans people and LGBTQ people feel unwelcome throughout the United States. They okay, well I'm going to make them feel unwelcome at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. We've never flown an LGBT flag here. Why would we? Uh, We've never flown uh, a flag of Satan here. Of course, why would we? Well, because you're here. Well, yeah, but I've been here for seven years now, right? And I've been here at the FTL I'm, site for I'm like actually four or five the, years. The, the, the pentagram flag uh, hasn't been here the whole time since I've known you. Yeah, I kind of am too. Other people fly them around here, though. And I, I like up here last year, up here in the campground, people are beginning to roll it, and it's fantastic to watch. People are beginning to set up. Yep. It's very, I'm surprised that there aren't more people here. Like the Porcupine Freedom Festival, it starts tomorrow. And. The Wormtown guys have not made it yet. They have a big thing, a big tent that they have to set up, and they're not here. Yeah, well, and uh, the tent where I'm hosting my EP thing, listing party, pre-release thing, we haven't set it up yet. So whenever we're done doing this show, hopefully the the, the things that are necessary <laughs> arrive, and you know I've got some extra people to help put it up, and then we can we can get that thing going. But uh, it's still on schedule, as far as I know, for eight thirty p.m. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, it's probably already happened and you missed it. Not yet. If you're listening to this right now, then it's happening in about an hour. Well, I mean, uh, if you're listening to the recording on Free Talk Live. Right. right then yeah. it'll happen in about an hour. This should play tonight. Oh, okay. I, I mean, thought I'm, this was I'm another assuming. day. It, it might have to be put off another yeah, day. I, don't I still know. don't know what day it is, really. I, I'm anticipating that we'll be able to finish the full show at you know before 4 or 5 o'clock and get it uploaded and get it played on live tonight. Okay. I don't know. I could be wrong. But my guess is that. But there are people beginning to roll in. I'm surprised, again, that the Wormtown guys aren't here because they have a lot of stuff to set up. But maybe this is... I haven't been to the pre-party at the Porcupine Funa Festival in quite a while. Yeah. Because I usually stay for Fork Fest after for the last, right. what, four, three years? That's what I did? Yeah, maybe that's what I've been years. doing, too. Because yeah. Fork Fest was after the Porcupine Freedom Festival the previous years. This year, it moved back to the front of it, the, the yes. pre-funk. So it's a bit different experience for me, anyway. It It is... Uh, I remember coming to the Porcupine Friend Festival beforehand, but I don't remember how, what it was like watching it set up. I would have expected all of the big vendors to be here and to be already set up by this point so that when the doors open tomorrow, they're good to go to start vending. But that's not the case. I think. I mean, it's right now. It's what afternoon, and like there are people rolling in that weren't here yesterday. So I expect, as we sit here and do the show, we'll see more and more people rolling. Maybe you're coming in, and of course you can drop my hang with us at RP46 here because we're going to be here all the way, all the way to the And of course, again tonight, if you're still here, more it already happened. We'll talk more about that. There's more coming up here from Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In 2022, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers, and you get a discount for paying with Dash. Finally, a reason to spend your crypto. It's called Dash Direct. Get it on your Apple or Android app store. The stores on Dash Direct each offer their own discount level, but some are as high as 8 to 9% off. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. 
Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. The final day of ForkFest here at Rogers Campground. Well, it depends on how you look at it, really. Because ever since the Porcupine Freedom Festival decentralized, ForkFest has been this thing that takes place. Where ForkFest is magical, right? It is whatever and wherever and however and whenever you want like it to be. Schrodinger's Festival. It is. If you don't observe it, it doesn't exist. But as soon as you do observe it, it exists. So there are good arguments to make that the entire campground is ForkFest from June the 15th through June the 25th. Yep. And that the Porcupine Freedom Festival simply overlaps with ForkFest during seven of those days. And that the Porcupine Freedom Festival is, by and large, something that takes place, quote, at the bottom of the hill. Right. And I know that the Porcupine Freedom Festival, they really hate that description of things, but... There's so much controversy around this year's Porcupine Freedom Festival that, like, I mean, that's that's predicted, right? It's a bunch of libertarians, and libertarians love infighting. That's one of the reasons that Free Talk Live is able to exist, right? We we will find <laughs> the most minor nuance and pick it apart. Yes, like a thousand different ways. A few weeks ago, Bonnie, Ian, and I got into a lengthy, like, it took up an entire segment discussion about what is and isn't aggression. And whether tapping someone on the shoulder in public constituted aggression. Oh, when you're like, hey, man. Yeah. And you tap somebody. And, of course, Ian and I's position was that, like, technically, literally, touching someone without their consent is aggression, right? It doesn't matter that you're not hurting them. Well, and, like, legally, too, like, uh, that's assault. Uh, Yeah, I guess it would be. You know, I mean, like, not to me, but... In the right. you know, strictest adherence to the legal terminology, touching someone without their consent is assault. That's that's literally true. And the point that Bonnie made was that, no, it's not assault, because by going into public, you acknowledge, you consent to the possibility that someone might touch you. Mm. And it, it was sort of a social contract argument, except it wasn't, obviously. She never would argue for a social contract, but sure. I... I don't think she's necessarily wrong. Going out in public, you do sort of consent to interact with people to some extent. And I don't know how else you you could characterize things, right? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. But anyway, that's what we did. Three hour, not three hour argument, but like full segment full long segment. argument about what is and isn't aggression. Of course, we have callers who love doing this. A skeeter in particular. <laughs> Good Lord. Skyler? Man. Scooter? Yeah, Skeeter's what? Yeah, no, I, no. I, okay. I don't call him his actual. Okay, well, I, I do, and because he's he has many different names, uh, he is called under many different. Uh, he's called as Brian. He's called as has he? yeah, okay. a, a couple of different names, and what? so I know exactly who he is, and you can usually tell because at some point during his call, he seems to whine. A little bit. He whines the entire time. That's all he does. He's like David from New Mexico. He's got a <laughs> stick up his rear, and all he wants to do is call and rehash and tell us how upset he is about that stick. And it's like, dude, just pull it out, and we can carry on instead of arguing about something that happened two think, or three weeks ago. I don't ago. think he's aware that he can pull it out. 
I guess not, right? <laughs> but that that all started because he wanted to call in and he he said, "Yo, you guys are being libertarians, saying that you know you stand by principles and." I object. What is aggression? And that was how it sort of began. And I don't remember exactly what the discussion happened was said after that because this was like three weeks ago. And it's it's a weird situation. These parasocial relationships that we have with some of our listeners and some of our callers, like Ricky, he called in recently and said, "Well, you know me, brother Ian." And And Ian goes, "No." Ricky, I don't know you. Right, yeah, exactly. You're just a caller who calls us. You hear us for three hours a day, but we hear you for maybe three minutes. Right. And we don't know you. You know us, right? That's the nature of the parasocial relationship. It's all one direction. Yeah. But people like Ricky and Skeeter and stuff because they listen to the show regularly, and that's great. We love that. But you've got to keep that perspective that we don't know you, right? We know. I feel like we know Sarah from New Mexico pretty well. Right, but she's been a chronic maybe, caller yeah. for years. That's true. Decades, maybe. Well, yeah. maybe not decades, but maybe, maybe a one. decade. Yeah, maybe one decade. But we don't know our callers generally. Some of them like Alu Axelman or Dave Ridley. Yeah, we know you because you're libertarians yeah. living here in New Hampshire. Right, and if you have some you know libertarian thing going on, you know, I lose an author. You know, yep. Ernie does his show, right? All that kind of stuff. So, like, we we know those folks. Ernie and his love bus arrived yesterday. Actually, he's he's moved. He's normally back there in the campground, yeah, but this year he's, he's a little more up front. Yeah, yeah, he's like right here, right outside of Agora Valley. I think right about where Little Zoe's normally is, but they're in a, usually in a different aisle. Nothing but love, Ernie. Yeah, Little Zoe's is not here yet. I believe your poles have arrived. Oh, for nice the, um, for the big army tent that you are putting up for. The airing of your album tonight, the debut yes. of your album that's happening at eight thirty, and I don't know if you're listening here. It is about to happen, so get stop the show and play it later. <laughs> we do have a podcast for a reason, <laughs> and come to RV forty seven and yes. listen to the airing of Captain's new EP. I put a bunch of uh, work into it too, so uh, uh, I do a horrible job at really like you know advertising all of the details. Uh, some of the things that I can tell you is uh, there are three videos. Uh, I was only intending to make one music video, and I did make one, and it came out very professionally. Nice. Uh, I had some help from uh, Vincent Moore, former co-host here on Free right. Talk Live, who is a you know video guy. He went to school for all that stuff. Uh, Vincent was one of the first people to uh, acknowledge uh, and enjoy. He like literally sought out uh, some of my previously made music and was like, I really like this stuff. Can I have more? And asked me for like links to other stuff, and I sent him all that stuff. Fantastic. So I wanted somebody who not only had the skills to do the video editing, but was enthusiastic about it as well. Right, that's ideal. And that's what, one of the reasons that we love Riley Blake so much. You know, yes. The person who does the FTL Digest, he, he does this as an, it's a work of passion for him because he loves the show. Yeah. And, I have to give a shout-out to Riley, too, for doing the Digest version of Beard Talk Live. Okay, nice. And, and you can find that on beard.freetalklive.com. Uh, I recently acquired BeardTalkLive.com and pointed it to Resolve at that same website, so either either address you go to. But he does uh, an introduction to the Digest version of Beard Talk Live. He does that that for the FTL Digest That is a must here. It's different than what he does for FTL. We do a thing that I can't say on the radio, uh, so I'm not going to say it, but we do a thing on Beard Talk Live, and he does his own version of it as an introduction to the Digest version of Beard Talk Live. So if you haven't heard it, go seek that out. Riley, you the man. Thank you so much for your, your work. Yeah, Riley is awesome. He deserves so much props for what he does. Like, 
and I don't know how Riley is blind, eh? and like he does this, he edits the digest mm-hmm. and he clips it and he makes it listenable and good. He does it without the ability to see. Right, and you and I have both uh, done soft uh, or software editing of audio. Yeah, I do uh, all, audio auditing every day here. Yeah, you're doing it but right I now. I can see the files. Right, and so I can't imagine how you would do that. I know he has special gear that you know they they use for folks who uh, you know don't have sight, but I don't understand how the interface works and how he knows where he's at, how he drops markers for stuff. I, I have no idea, but. Kudos to him for figuring it out. Yep. So if you want to donate to the FDL Digest, if you prefer that version of the show, and, and I kind of do because Free Talk Live is a long show, right? It's It boils down to about two hours of audio each day. But if you're watching the video, then it's effectively three hours. Or right. if you're listening on the radio, it's three hours. And that's 21 hours of content every week. Yep. That's a lot of content. And one of the things I tried stressing to Mark recently because Mark wanted to do this thing and get people to make more videos or whatever. I'm like, Mark, we don't need more content. We do more content than any other show on the planet. We put out 21 yeah, hours. 21 hours is a lot. Most podcasts yeah. are doing an hour, two hours tops. Most of it, I looked it up. It's 30 minutes is about the average podcast. <laughs> and they do one episode a week on average. And we do 21 hours a week on average. Well, if you count the podcast, then it's 14 hours right. a week. But that's still... 28 times more content than any other podcast. Well, you have to really, really love Free Talk Live to listen to every episode of the podcast. And if you do, thank you. Yeah, but I think that's a tall ask, right? There's a podcast that I listen to that I absolutely love called Data Over Dogma. And it's about 30 minutes long and it airs once a week. And that's what I'm used to finding out of podcasts. So you said Data Over Dogma and I have a picture of Brent Spiner sitting down to watch a Kevin Smith movie. Brent Spiner. I know that name. He played Data on Star Trek. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> so Data <laughs> sitting down nice. to watch Kevin Smith's dogma? Uh, that, I'm going to shoot that idea to them because <laughs> I support them on Patreon. One of the guys who created is Dan McClellan, who I've talked about repeatedly here yeah. on the show. He's a religious scholar and a Mormon, and he's an expert on the Old, on the Old Testament and just the Bible and history in general. And for whatever reason... I mean, because I grew up steeped in this stuff and it traumatized me and affected me for the rest of my life. Sure. I find the subject of Christianity and Christian history tremendously fascinating. Like that will, if I get the opportunity to order specific books while I'm in prison, Mm -hmm. those will be among the ones I mostly order. Okay. You hear that, everybody? Well, I I expect other people to buy me other stuff. So (laughs) I I don't know what's going to happen when I'm in prison. Uh, What what is that clock at now? Eight days? Uh, Nine days. 51 minutes and 11 seconds. Yeah, it's getting there, man. That and That's the day, that's the hour upon which I go to prison. Every time my phone rings and it's an unrecognized number, I'm like, is this it? Is this the call? Is this the one that's going to yeah, tell me where I'm going? I I don't envy you, man. I, don't, I, I can't even imagine what that's like to just be waiting on that. It's, it's not something... I'm almost in a state of denial about it, right? And I know it's going to happen, and I know it's coming, and it's yeah. barely a week away, but it's not something that is actively in my brain. It's always in the back of my mind, yeah. but it's never like actively taking up my thoughts. Right, yeah. yeah, And it probably won't settle in until after you're inside and you know, a couple days yeah. go by. You get you know, some, some time to yourself, so to speak. 
That that is going to be rough. I, I did spend some time this morning thinking about that, and that was one of the reasons that you know that was one of the minor issues I had this morning is that I got deeply involved in thinking about the reality of what it's going to literally be like to get checked in and to be assigned to a cell. And if I'm put in a men, men's prison, then my cellmate is going to hate that. <laughs> he he's going to hate sharing a room with me because the other guys no are just going to give him crap about it like mm. ah, you're staying with that freaking weirdo over there it sucks for you and like that's not going to be I a mean, good place for me it is entirely possible that there's some other weirdo already in prison that they bunk you up with that's true and i don't know if that's better or worse and then it's not any better as we mentioned yesterday for me to go to women's prison where i have exactly the same issue they don't, they don't have a weirdo section in prison they don't because this is what a lot of people suggested. Well, I don't know why they don't just take all the trans people and put them in a special trans prison because that's discrimination <laughs> and it's segregation and it's not right to do. Doesn't, that's like saying yeah, but, take all the gay people or take all the black people or whatever and put them in their own separate prison. But like, usually governments don't care about that. <laughs> they do if the public does. Or I they, guess they if they the public can, can you know make some sort of a stink or a spectacle out of it, the state's not going to want to do it. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this shakes out. And I should know sometime this week. And as soon as I know, I will be talking about it here on Free Talk yeah. Live. Actually, as soon as I know, I'll be like reading about it and reading about the prison and all that stuff. But for those who have not been following the news, Ian's sentencing hearing was postponed an additional month. till August something? August, I think the 17th okay. at 10 a.m. I could be wrong on the date, but it's the same day of the month, only in August in August okay, of yeah. July. So I think it is the 17th, yeah. And that's going to take place at 10 a.m. And... I'm torn on whether I think it's going to get pushed back again. I think it will, and the only reason I think it will is because there's some unresolved stuff with the judge that I think needs to happen before sentencing can commence. That's only if the state follows their own, uh, you know, things that they've written down that they're supposed to do. Uh, And so my guess is that there's going to be some more legal stuff, legal hoops to jump through before they can proceed with the actual sentencing but who knows? I mean, this is a government. Eh. In the meantime, of course, you can go to letters.freetalklive.com, and there you can find step-by-step instructions on what you can do to help Ian, because as we mentioned, I'm going to prison, but that doesn't mean Ian is going to prison, right? They could very well give Ian you know, probation or supervised release with time served or whatever. Right. I don't think it's impossible that they sentence Ian in a lesser way than they did me, right? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge him for that, obviously. I'm hoping he doesn't go to prison. I'm hoping he's not sentenced to prison. They're like, hey, this guy, he's just so influential, yeah. and he's, he's such a positive figure in his community that we just cannot justify putting him in prison. Maybe house arrest for two years, and who knows? I'd, the, the possibilities are endless. There's no reason for the government to resort to prison as its default punishment. Yeah, especially for uh, supposed crimes where there are no victims. In other right. words, no property and no people were hurt. This is acknowledged by the federal government themselves that there is no victim. Yet, they're trying to put him in a cage. Well, I, I'm not sure they acknowledge that there is no victim. I thought as they were trying, I thought near the end and near the beginning of the trial, they were making out like Ian did have some sort of connection with the fraudsters. No, the judge said, the harm is the harm. What does that mean? 
He did say that during my sentencing what is hearing. That? Oh, that was during. Oh, maybe I'm confusing. He did well, because the prosecutors were arguing that what I was doing was money laundering, and of course, my attorney was like, "No, look, for it to be money laundering, you have to know that the money is from illegal proceeds." Yeah, so it's the same judge in, in right. yours and his case, and for a judge to say something as nonsensical as the harm is the harm. It's like, no, dude, uh, harm needs to be proven, right? The the prosecution needed to bring evidence that shows that a person or a piece of property was harmed, which they did not do. No, but they they did. Well, they sort of did. They did bring out you know evidence that people were harmed. They just did not make the connection to Ian. Right. Right. They had the one guy there who bought, I think, $640,000 worth of Bitcoin from me. Uh, Harold is his name. Mm-hmm. And... I had no idea. This is one of the big sore points I had with this whole sentencing thing. The prosecutors in their sentencing memorandum said, you know, Arya has shown no remorse for the victims who lost money by buying Bitcoin from her. And as I read them, I'm like, you, you evil, evil monsters. This is the first I'm hearing of any people being defrauded and buying Bitcoin from me. I knew this had happened with Ian, but like, I don't know how many of my customers were legitimate people just trying to buy Bitcoin and how many of them were victims of fraud. And the prosecutors didn't email me and tell me this. They didn't call me and tell me this. They didn't tell my attorney. How in the hell was I supposed to know that some of the people who bought Bitcoin from me turned out to be the victims of fraud? No one told me this. How can I possibly show remorse for something that I don't know about? Well, and if you apply the the state's logic to really anything else right so let's say there's some guy who's trying to defraud an old lady uh out of uh, i don't know coca-cola classic right okay. and so uh the old lady is like okay yes I'll, I'll get some coca-cola classic for you and she goes down to the convenience store and buys some coca-cola classic and gives it to the guy and is out that amount of money right uh do the feds prosecute the convenience store for selling the coca-cola classic no, no, they don't. And that's their logic. That's what they're doing to both you and Ian and the rest of the Crypto Six is they're prosecuting you for providing a product to somebody who was a willing customer, right, who went jumped through all of the Like, I think you guys were more stringent than actual KYC with we your were. procedures. So, Demonstrably like, so. Everyone who bought Bitcoin from us had to make a handwritten letter yeah. stating their name, I... You know, Arya Demetso and buying X amount of Bitcoin from Ian Freeman in the amount of this USD via wire transfer right. on this day. They had to sign it. They had to take a picture of themselves with the note yep. and provide us with an ID so we could look at that person, look at the note, look at the ID and verify that, yep, this person is intentionally buying yep. this amount of Bitcoin from me. Now, I've gone through actual KYC on a crypto exchange. Right. And I found it to be less strict than what you and Ian were requiring of of the customers who purchased Bitcoin from you. Yes. For the most part, all I've ever had to do was provide my ID and usually a bill or something like that. I've only had to enter, you know, like name and, you know, that kind of stuff and then upload a picture of my driver's license. That's usually how it started, but at, at a certain point... They were requiring more from me. Like, oh, I think I had to put in a mailing address too. I had to provide a proof of proof of source of funds to Kraken at one point. Wow! And just all sorts of crap. But at that point, they have a threshold. I was I was doing the Kraken Pro first of all, so I wasn't just a normal personal oh, yeah, account. Okay. So I had to, you know, I had bought maybe two hundred thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin from them at that point, and they were like, "Hey, look, we we want to know." 
where is this $200,000 coming from? So I had a bookkeeper write something up and right, get this yeah. in. Like, this is, this is the case and this is the money and this is all fine. And they were like, okay, this is fine. This checks out. But ultimately, Kraken closed my account anyway. Coinbase closed my account anyway. Coinbase didn't close my account until after the hearing. Mm. It's going to be very... I'm so thankful to look around and see the Bitcoin vending machines that are proliferated throughout New Hampshire, at least, and the United States in general, because it's... None of these exchanges like Coinbase and Binance and Kraken, if they survive the onslaught from the U.S. government... We'll see if that happens. They're never going to do business with me. I'm a known Bitcoin salesperson. They know that I was a cryptocurrency exchange. I was a competitor. Why would they do business with me? So it's going to be very difficult going forward for me to acquire cryptocurrency, except through the Coinstar machines and the random Bitcoin vending machines that are on. But on that subject, right, there, there are Bitcoin vending machines everywhere. There's even one here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Or if there isn't right now, there will be. There's one here every year. And I got into a discussion last year with the guy about this. All of his paperwork is in order. He's good to go. But Mm -hmm. one of the people who wrote a letter on Ian's behalf also had all of their paperwork in order. Okay. We had on uh, Risen from, uh, I think he works on Ethereum on the show a few weeks ago, and he had all of his paperwork in order. His was a really interesting conversation because he, I think he pled guilty to operating an unlicensed money transmitting business, and he was sentenced to, I want to say it was 12 months, and ultimately he served about six months of that. And that's what I would like to serve if yeah. I'm going to serve any I'm saying this to 18 months and it varies, right? Based on what I read on any given day, how long I think I'm going to be in prison. Yeah. Right now I'm leaning for toward 12 to 15 months, but because of the first step act and these other things previously, prior to the first step act in order to, I don't even get, know what that is. It came about in 2021, but prior to it, in order to get released early, the warden of the prison had to speak up on your behalf and try to get you released early. The First Step Act removes that hurdle from it where you just sort of can apply for it automatically. Okay. Or whatever. I I don't know the exact process. Most people don't know the exact process. You don't learn these things until you're there in prison. Sure. But a lot of it has to do with getting a college degree or studying or Hmm. there's all sorts of programs that you can get involved in. I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to that. The problem is if I was going to get another degree right now, it would be in like ancient religious studies, honestly, because yeah. that's the that's the topic I'm most interested in right. that I would want to seriously learn more about. I would say physics, but I I remember majoring in that, and I remember how much I hated the calculus. I love the calculus, actually. It It's what taught me how elegant calculus and mathematics really are that's beyond me man like i mean i was told there would be no math right fair enough and (laughs) but i'm not good at it and i didn't like having to do it so that was why i switched out of majoring in physics anyway dude i failed algebra twice but i aced geometry because if it's tangible i get it if it's this sort of like you know vague cloudy mathematics you know sort of in the sky you know, that you have to sort of kind of guess, I guess, is what I'm getting at with algebra, right? It's all this, yeah. it's all fictional uh, probabilities and, and mathematics in there. So if I can't have a practical application for it, it just sort of escapes me. 
Fair enough. The, but the difference with calculus is that it gives you real world cases for it. So it, it, calculus was the point at which math stopped being that vague theoretical thing for me. And it started becoming something representative of the actual real world. Okay. But it was super complicated and not much fun. And of course, you're not getting a degree in any sort of physics, general relativity or quantum theory or whatever, or yeah. acoustic. The school that I went to had two physics programs. One was general relativity and the other was an audio acoustic, an acoustic physics program. Yeah. But you're not getting a degree in that in prison. In prison, your options, you can probably get a two-year degree, an associate's or a bachelor's, but right. like the physics and the biblical study things, those are master's and bachelor's levels of specificity and I guess I could get the associates and then come out and try to finish, but I don't know what I'm going to find when I get out of prison. Right. Artificial intelligence is going to take off in the near future. Cryptocurrency is going to do its own thing. I don't know what's going to happen with Ian and how Free Talk Five is going to be when might I even get come out, back. or where Mark will be. So, like, I I have no ability to plan what life is going to be like at four. But there's more coming up here because I know what tomorrow is going to be like here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Come hang out with us. It's Free Talk Live. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live on this Sunday edition of the show. It may be the Monday edition of the show. I mean, it, it all varies. I don't know what day it is that you're actually listening to this. Plus, you could be listening to the podcast on any day. So I don't know what day it is, but this is the Sunday for us. It's my theme for uh, Forkfest and Porkfest. What day is it? I don't know what day it is. Yeah, that's fair enough. It, I usually have a better idea of what day it is as time i mean as we first get here it's pretty easy then, to gauge the beginning yeah. and the end right you don't really need to know what day it is in between near as i can tell unless you're strictly adhering to the schedule there's somebody that you want to see on like you know tuesday at two o'clock or whatever that kind of a thing outside of that you can just sort of exist without keeping time yeah i sort of thought today was monday and i didn't know what day yesterday was it, it, it just never occurred to me that the wedding was on saturday so i thought mm. yesterday was sunday <laughs> all day and it was all very weird because i mean time does sort of cease to exist here at rogers campground during it's been these my festivals. experience every time i come here as soon as i get here i just sort of feel this like ah i'm here you know yeah. this, this relief and then I just stop paying attention to the time mostly. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good approach. Unless, of course, it's like, oh, we have to go into town before X closes because in town things close pretty early. Right. On that note, I think I'm probably going to hit Smoky Teas tonight for yeah. dinner. I ended up doing, well, yesterday was a reception, so that's what I did for dinner. Yeah. But before that, of course, there were Scorpios. And, of course, got to visit House of Pizza here. They initially took Goldbacks yeah. uh, three years ago, I think it yeah, was. I, I, myself, uh, Mr. Kahuna, our sometimes uh, co-host. Occasionally, uh, we went there and we spent Goldbacks on pizza. When? Uh, three years ago. Okay, yeah. I don't think they still do it, which is understandable. Like, we were the only ones who used gold there. Yeah. The, for the same reason, the restaurant at the Cabot, which has now closed, I forget what it was called, but there was a restaurant there and they took cryptocurrency because every year, you know, Ian would come here and he would sell them on it and they would right. end up... At some point, they were willing to accept cryptocurrency, but it only happened once a year, and yeah. that was during the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and they may do it repeatedly during that year, but it was only that one time out of the year. So they never had anyone who was trained to do it. Every time we went there, we had to retrain their staff on doing it, and eventually they they just stopped. Right. Plus, it's... We're up here in the mountains of Lancaster. I mean, in the mountains of New Hampshire. So there's not a whole lot of business that they would have gotten anyway. And ultimately, they closed down. And they now they don't take cryptocurrency or USD because they're no longer open. And the same issue with the House of Pizza here in Lancaster. They sure. took goldbacks, but no one ever went there to spend goldbacks. So they ultimately just stopped. And th this is the issue we have with trying to sell, uh, sell these people on the idea of cryptocurrency and goldbacks. And when you go to like one of these Bitcoin accepting maps, I, I think maps.bitcoin.com maybe. Yeah. But when you go to them, it shows a lot of places that accept cryptocurrency. But when you call them or when you visit them, it turns out that they don't actually accept a cr cryptocurrency because right. someone will talk them into it and they'll do it once and then they'll just never go back. Yeah. And, and they'll get put on the map because of that one transaction. Right. Yeah. And this happens a lot with the ones in Miami. Miami, well, you know, the Bitcoin capital, yeah, that you can't spend crypto this is, there. This is what you're describing, though, is the illustration that a community is necessary for adoption. Yes. And, you know, the more folks that we can get coming to New Hampshire that are using cryptocurrency and goldbacks, the more community we can build, the more people will begin accepting it, and the more we can throw the bird in the general direction of the government. And on the subject of cryptocurrency, I want to tell you about Dash. They have a new killer app that Bonnie was tweeting about the other day as a lifesaver with Bitcoin fees being so high. Of course, Dash is lightning fast. It's a little bit faster than Bitcoin Cash instantane instantaneous transactions. Very cheap transactions. I think it's like 0.001 Dash per transaction which is really good because Bitcoin can push five, ten, twenty dollars per transaction. But Dash is designed to actually be used as a cryptocurrency. And that's tremendously valuable. Most of the places here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival will take Dash. I don't know if any of them are using Dash Direct though. And that's the killer app that direct that Dash has. That I've been using it for a while now and it's great. You can shop at like 180,000 different locations using this app and using Dash to make purchases. And you get you know, discounts ranging from like 1% all the way up to 8 or 9% just for using Dash. It's really awesome. 
And I want to say thank you to the people at Dash for making that happen and for sponsoring the show. They give us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can find out more about them at dash.org, I think is the website. It might also be dash.com. Or just go to your favorite search engine, look up Dash Cryptocurrency, because I don't remember the name of the website off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it was dash.org. Yeah. But that's, you know, dash.org. Thank you to the Decentralized Autonomous Organization over at Dash for giving us that 32 Dash per month for promoting them on the air. Uh, if you're a gift giver and you like giving gift cards, Dash Direct is also great for that because you can give a virtual gift card and, uh, you know, reasonable yep. amounts, any, nearly any amount you can think of. Bitcoin.com. There's a number of ways to get gift cards with cryptocurrency. Yep. And I like those, but those are obviously not ideal, right? Yep. Obviously, the ideal is to be able to use cryptocurrency directly at the business, and then they use the cryptocurrency to pay their suppliers. We don't have that hurdle crossed yet. And in order yep. to cross that hurdle, we're going to have to have tens of thousands of locations throughout the U.S. accepting cryptocurrency so that they can put pressure on like Cisco and other vending companies to actually sell them with crypto, sell them for cryptocurrency. Until then, they have to have some amount of cash to give their suppliers so right. they can... So it's great that local burger in Keene, they no longer accept cryptocurrency, but it's great that they accepted crypto, right? But if they want to buy more beef and buns and stuff, they've got to use cash. Yep. So that's the real hurdle that has to be crossed for the cryptocurrency people is to, to ask the vendors that you're dealing with if they're willing to accept cryptocurrency. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening to this show and you're wondering what you can do to forward freedom, liberty, peace, prosperity, and all that kind of stuff, what you what can you do? What can a regular Joe do? Well, just start asking, hey, do you take cryptocurrency? Why yeah. not? It's you're gonna be most successful here in New Hampshire where there are more people who can ask the same question because that's usually what it takes. And we were we were so close to getting the Jamaican place there in Keene prior to the raid. Like she was on board. Ian had given her some crypto. It was it was going to happen, right? Yeah. But then we got raided, and that spooked a lot of people. The Corner News, which was the first shop there in Keene to take cryptocurrency, no longer has it. They had a Bitcoin vending machine for years. Right. And but I can't say that I blame them. For wanting to get out of it. It's, it's spooky seeing how the government's going after all these people. And, of course, that's exactly what people like Gensler of the SEC want. Screw that guy. Yeah, they want. I don't like that guy. No, he's, he's absolutely horrible. And I have a story about him, so that's as good a time as any to get into it. There is a meme coin, because, of course, there is. <laughs> About Gary. There's Gensler. more than one. Oh, wait. About Gary specifically? Yes. The CEO. I mean, I keep calling him the CEO for some reason. The head of the SEC. He has a meme coin. It's an ERC20 token, and it's real. Wait. It's not his coin, though, no, right? No, Somebody of else not. made the yeah. coin, but it's making fun of Gensler. Right. It's. I think it's called Gensler, and I'll get more into it, but... You don't have to be the person to make an ERC-20 token. All you need is some Ethereum. It's super easy. I wish I had thought about this idea because, like, Gens I mean, I can't use cryptocurrency, but I wish sure. I could use cryptocurrency and that I had come up with this idea because it's an obvious moneymaker. Yeah. Right? You just spend .001 Ethereum to make 10 million Gensler coins. <laughs> And you sell them for point zero 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 one Ethereum a piece, and you're going, you're guaranteed to make a lot of money. It's got no utility. It's useless. It's just an ERC twenty token. I don't have very much respect yeah. for ERC twenty tokens yeah. because I've made 
ERC-20 tokens. Back when I did the Call to Freedom, we had a segment of the show called Libertarian Drama of the Week. Because libertarians love their drama. Yeah, might as well spotlight it. So I made an ERC-20 token called WAH. That was the ticker symbol, symbol W-A-H. And I don't, what do we actually call it? It was for when everybody cries. Yeah, and I don't remember what we actually called it, but the ticker symbol was WAH, W-A-H. And we would award it to whoever won Libertarian Drama of the Week. Nice. And it's simple and easy. Then, of course, you have the useless Ethereum token which is literally a useless Ethereum token that someone made, and they called it useless, and they pointed out that it was useless, <laughs> and they made a website for it and said, don't buy this, it's useless. And what did the people do? They bought it. They bought it. Of course. Made dude lots of money. Yeah. Bitcoin, silver, of course, and also, also an ERC-20 token. There's no safeguards against scams on the Ethereum blockchain. And given that Ethereum is centralized, I, I think they should have done something to prevent some of this. Yeah. Bitcoin Silver was the one that really comes to mind because that was the one that inspired me to start CryptoCheck.org. And that was an organization that I founded when I still lived in the South that we checked out some of these ICOs because this was at the height of the ICO sure. boom. You couldn't go online without hearing about an right. ICO. Yeah, I remember that day. And like I even lost an Ethereum because I like, you know, there was something and I read the white paper. I'm like, oh, that seems interesting. Sure, why not? The only one I did not lose on was AirSwap. And yeah. the, most of the rest of the ones that I checked out turned out to be illegitimate, so I didn't invest I think in them. I still have like a small bag full of like ERC twenty tokens that you know from yeah. back in the day that are doing nothing and probably worthless right now. Probably, but it was super easy to do, and plenty of people did it. And Bitcoin Silver had a website, you know, that they would sell you Bitcoin Silver. They made out like it was a fork of Bitcoin, but mm. obviously it wasn't. It was an ERC twenty token. You had to really look into it to find out exactly what it was. No white paper. At all. Instead, all it had was a countdown timer uh, saying, hey, look, the ICO ends, you know, in seven days and nine hours or whatever. And what really got my attention was that when I revisited it the second time, there was more time left on the countdown than there had been previously. Somebody bumped up the timer? Yes. Well, it was completely (laughs) fake. They were trying to create a sense of uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Like, hey, you got to buy it now. So they did lower it to about three days. A ticking crock. Oh, no. But to to my knowledge, they never actually ended the countdown. It was a Twitter handle, Bitcoin Silver One on Twitter. That was all they had. And if you go look at that handle now, all you're going to find there is lots of people tweeting that account saying, hey, I never got my Bitcoin silver. What's going on? Uh-huh. And of course, the account went dark. And like, there was nothing more I could have done to warn people about Bitcoin silver being an obvious scam. Sure. But there were, there were thousands of these. I thought that this would be the killer of crypto. I thought that we were going to see a repeat of the video game market crash of the 1980s, where oh. like the market was just ultra-saturated with garbage. Yeah, And that's what killed yeah. video games in the 19... It was what took them down in the 1980s. I mean, I could see it killing maybe ERC-20 tokens... That would have been nice too, right? Or, or come, but I don't. I can't see it killing the technology as a whole. I think the technology is just too useful. There's too many use cases for it. It has the ability to. I mean, decentralized blockchains have yeah. the ability to replace bureaucracy as we know it. Well, when I say killing the cryptocurrency, I don't, obviously don't mean killing it to like zero dollars or whatever. Video games survived the video game crash That's of true, the 1980s. They did. Okay. All right, I and I point. would expect cryptocurrency to have survived this. I just. 
I thought that it would chase away everyone in mm-hmm. the same way that E.T. for the 2600 chased everyone away. Like, this is garbage. It's useless. We all right. bought into it, and it turned out to be crap. But that didn't happen. But ICOs died pretty much of their own accord. Yeah. People just got burned out, as far as I can tell. Yeah. That was an interesting era in cryptocurrency history, though, and I remember it so well because that was when I became really active in the space. Mm -hmm. And I learned the difference between an actual white paper, like Bitcoin has, and a PowerPoint presentation sales pitch, which is what almost all of these ICOs had. They weren't trying to solve a problem. They were trying to get you to invest in them. And those are two very, very different things. Yeah, it was uh, certainly uh, an acquisition of finance yes. for everyone involved. Now, did all of the folks who raised money by an ICO put that money into their ICO and actually create the product or service uh, that you thought they would? No. Like, probably none of them did. Some of them did. AirSwap AirSwap did. They wanted to be the first decentralized exchange that allowed people to swap cryptocurrencies for one another. The technology being an ERC-20 token was very limited. You could only swap out ERC-20 tokens for other ERC-20 tokens or for Ethereum. Right. But that was still a relatively useful thing. And it was the forerunner of like DoorChain, which exists now and is the same thing. It's a decentralized cryptocurrency exchange that allows you to transfer one cryptocurrency into another cryptocurrency. And that's beautiful. That's what the cryptocurrency world needs. Yes. The next thing it needs is a way to get cryptocurrency without the KYC. That's the hurdle now. The on-ramps to cryptocurrency, because it's all well and good for you to take your Bitcoin or your Ethereum or your Litecoin or whatever to the Thor chain and swap it out for some other cryptocurrency or US Tether or whatever. But how do you get that first cryptocurrency to have it to exchange in the first place? And at the moment, you are extremely limited. You're more limited right now than you have ever been. Yeah, you have to KYC to turn your your FRNs, your dollars, your US dollars into cryptocurrency or... The other way to get cryptocurrency is to earn it. Yeah, but that's super rare, right? It, that's, it is. That I only mean, applies maybe not, to not for us so much, but for you know the general public, it is super rare. I would say that that applies at most to a few dozen people in the entire state of New Hampshire, and almost no one else is, has the ability to be paid in crypto. Like, I, I know in theory people can earn cryptocurrency as a way of getting it, but I don't even think that's possible for a hundred total I people. Mean, I no, I think it's I think it's larger than you think. But it's not large enough by any stretch of the imagination. The reason I think that is because you can go to Craigslist in any state and you can check the little box that says accepts crypto and apply. And then it'll filter by all of the Craigslist ads by people who will accept crypto for whatever they're advertising at Craigslist. Okay. Well, I don't use Craigslist anymore, so I, I wouldn't know that. It, it, it does exist. I look frequently because okay. there, there are things I'm looking for. I, specifically, I'm looking for an inexpensive, rust-free vehicle. Oh, you and want I, Facebook Marketplace. And, That's no, no, one no. of the first things I learned in New Hampshire is that New Hampshire Craigslist is basically dead. No, I'm not looking on New Hampshire Craigslist. I'm looking in other states okay. specifically for a rust-free vehicle. New Hampshire yeah, is luck. infamous for rust because they use salt on the roads. So I've got to look in places like, oh, I don't know, Seattle, Washington, or Florida, or you know, places that don't either have winter or use salt on the roads. 
so that you can find a late model used vehicle that doesn't have a whole bunch of rust and then bring it up here and undercoat it every year and et cetera and so on. And wait until it gets rusted so, anyway. So I'm looking all the time in other states. I'm looking in North Carolina. I'm looking in Florida. I'm looking in Seattle. I'm looking in you know Louisiana. I'm looking at all these places, and I'm filtering by accept crypto. And I am surprised how many people have ads on Craigslist that claim they will accept cryptocurrency for their good. Okay, that is awesome. I was not aware of that particular development. One of the best decentralized ways that I've heard of to acquire cryptocurrency that I wouldn't that I knew about, right? And I love, but I wouldn't have thought about it in this context until someone pointed out on the show is mining cryptocurrency. That's oh, yeah. the only way of turning US dollars into cryptocurrency yeah. in a truly and what the hell is that smell? Yeah, somebody's trash smells. In a truly autonomous uh, anonymous way. And that that's a wonderful thing. You may not, but you're not going to get a lot of cryptocurrency by mining it. You're simply not. And I say this as someone with a $2,400 graphics card. Now, I just use it for video games because I'm a, I'm a PC gamer yeah. and that's the sort of thing we do. And I could, I could, based on projections, I could probably mine several Ravencoin a day or some other uh, X16R token, which is CPU yep. and GPU mineable, yep. or Monero or something like that. Maybe one Monero every two weeks. So yeah. maybe at most having this thing running at 100% capacity all the time, maybe two Monero a month is what I would expect to get. Yeah. That's is, a $2,400 graphics card. Yeah, mining is, uh, uh, you know, if you think about what exchanges do, it is one of the only, I mean, you kind of have to KYC because you have to give the electric company, you know, your name. and Right, but they don't know you're mining. Right, right. So in, in that respect, yes, you have to sort of identify yourself, uh, you know, to your electric company. But you can convert electricity into cryptocurrency. Um, and in fact, uh, I do this. Here's something you can do, uh, you know, you movers to New Hampshire. Um Cryptocurrency miners, I have some ASIC miners, so I'm limited to, I don't know, a half a dozen cryptocurrencies I can mine. Uh, but I have some, and they put off a tremendous amount of heat. They do. And I'm using that to offset or to heat a portion of my house. And so the way I look at it is, is I'm transducing the, you know, my USD that I pay my electric bill in into some form of cryptocurrency, which I'm getting, you know, some value back on because if I don't sit on that cryptocurrency, I can certainly exchange it for something, you know, that I think will retain its value or whatever. If the, the currency I mine, you know, I don't think is going to retain its value, whatever it is, I can use one of the decentralized exchanges to exchange that currency. Uh, but I'm also getting a break on my electric bill in the winter, and I my house happens to be heated by electricity. The math doesn't check out so, on that. So I'm getting I'm getting two benefits out of doing. Well, that's not one true. Thing. The math doesn't check out. Uh, it actually does for me. Not at New Hampshire energy prices. Yeah, well, so last year was the first year that they doubled the 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 electric bill, and I did not mine last year. But the previous two years I did mine. The first year I actually paid my entire electric bill. All winter long by mining wow. with my ASICs. And oh, then, you're the and, only and, one. <laughs> and I was up a couple hundred bucks. Everyone else uh, I've heard of who tries year, mining cryptocurrency like that, it's a losing proposition. The, the second year, well, it's, it's losing if you aren't using it for the additional benefit of the heat. Yes, I agree. But because I'm using miners to also heat my place when all I have is electric for heating, 
uh, then I'm going to be spending that money anyway. So why not also mine a cryptocurrency? If my electric bill, I'm just throwing out a number. If my electric bill is 200 bucks a month for just heating the place, why wouldn't I filter that 200 bucks a month through some crypto miners to heat the place and get some crypto back, some value back? So You also have ASICs, and I, I imagine you spent five or six grand a piece on those because ASICs No, I bought them used pricey. from a guy here in New Hampshire who works for a cryptocurrency uh, here in the Shire. Uh, he replaced his, and so I got the benefit of him liquidating his used machines. Okay. So I my my acquisition cost was relatively low. I ignored my acquisition cost, by the way, uh, when I calculate things, because well, sure, if hardware you're gonna is this, an acquisition cost. Uh, if you're going to do this, you should do it because you believe in it, not because you're right. trying to make money. The, the problem with cryptocurrency in general is that too many people are doing it to try to make money. Right. So all I'm doing is using mining uh, as a, a, a dual benefit, and I'm really essentially just getting a big discount on my electric bill. And, that, and it's the only way of acquiring cryptocurrency now that is truly anonymous and a surefire thing that doesn't rely on anyone else. Yeah. You don't have to rely on some Bitcoin vending machine or whatever to not KYC you. You can just mine cryptocurrency yourself. And those, those are the on-ramps that we have now. Or you can go through Coinbase or Kraken or Binance because local Bitcoins is dead. Yeah. Agora Desk no longer is operating. Yeah, so all they, of these decentralized peer-to-peer ways of requiring cryptocurrency, they're dead. And they just arrested the largest uh, transaction dude uh, on Local Monero. Yes, they did. Well, so. Local Monero is probably going to go down eventually as well, or they'll revert to only the darknet version of the site. I don't know. It's ugly out there, man. And I hate it. But more about this Ginsler main coin coming up here from Forkfest. It is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We are here at Rogers Campground. And Mr. Penguin would like you to know that I am 100% wrong. About something. It didn't seem like something I had said in the previous segment, so there may have been some sort of misunderstanding. In case I did say something to that effect, I did not mean to suggest anything about employment and small businesses versus corporations. I don't recall saying anything along those lines, but... Obviously, small businesses are critically important to the United States, and they're critically important to the economy. So, In fact, it's my belief anyway that if government got out of the way, these giant, lumbering, behemoth corporations would go away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the Reformed Satanic Church, when I was selling cryptocurrency, I was getting to a point where I needed... A, to hire someone mm-hmm. to, to do some things for me in that capacity. Yeah. And I just kept doing it myself. But mm-hmm. it would have made my life a lot easier to hire someone. Yep. But once you do that, there's all manner of new government hoops to jump yep. through. And like I just, I and, mean, plenty of churches have people working for them. Yeah. It wouldn't have been that unusual. But man, does the government like. Yeah, and if you try to if you try to do things even above the table and like subcontract instead of hire, right? You want to put somebody on a ten ninety nine and you know offer them piecework. Hey, I'm going to pay you by the task or pay your business, yeah. you know, by the task, and I'll pay you for completing these tasks instead of paying an employee by the hour, right? Which is a smarter way, I think, to transact with other people and acquire services. But even if you do that, as people like. Uh, 
uh, Larkin Rose, who I think is supposed to be at the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, as he found out, because he did this, and uh, he got thrown in jail because him, him and his wife's business contracted people 1099 style and they were like no 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 you're an employer you have to pay taxes and they threw his ass in jail i was not aware of that of course all sorts of similar things have happened in regard to 1099s employers and contractors and stuff especially in the state of california deciding that uber drivers and lyft drivers are employees rather than contractors when obviously they're contractors they're they're But if, they don't if, even get paid a wage, yeah, do they? If that's true, then how come uh, you know cab drivers can still be contractors? Yeah. Well, they can't in the state of California anymore. No. But it's all messed up. And because of that, like Variety, one of my favorite uh, little screenshots is Variety celebrating this victory for workers' rights in California. And then like the very next headline <laughs> is Variety lays off most of their staff because they can't afford to keep them as employees. And now they're not contractors. It's like, well, <laughs> imagine how that happened. But it is a beautiful day here, and there are steadily people more coming in, coming more people yeah. coming in. Here I've seen at a bunch Fort of Crest. RVs roll in just since we've been doing the show. I've seen a bunch of uh, camps go up. Uh, some folks are making some progress on the tent over here. For, it's looking good for the thing that uh, I'm throwing tonight. Thank you guys. We appreciate you. I'm excited to be here, and it's only going to get better from here, right? Yeah. And. It's, it's, again, bittersweet for me because Saturday, Sunday are going to be fantastic days. Well, Sunday, not so much. Sunday's the day that everyone packs up and all yeah. of that stuff. Looking forward, as usual, to the Soapbox Idol this year. That's the rant competition they have every year. Really looking Are you hosting to or just participating? I'm usually a judge. I've been a judge for the last three years in a row. It's really disorganized. It's not disorganized, but it's... I don't know how to describe it's it. It's organic. Yeah, it's not necessarily organic, but Carla waits until the last minute for some of these things because she's super busy with other stuff. Sure. And I usually find out about 12 to 15 minutes before the start of Soapbox Idol that I am going to be a judge. <laughs> so I tend to just assume that I'm going to be because it's usually myself and Jeremy Kaufman. And then we get a third judge as sort of a rotator, an, an everyman, a, a straight middleman, not, yeah. not middleman, a straight man kind of thing. Because we need someone who just kind of plays it straight so mm-hmm. that Jeremy and I can do our things. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's so much fun. And last year, there was a little bit of controversy surrounding oh. Soapbox Idol. And it was very bizarre, right? Like extra soap? Carlin Borisinko, extra salt, for sure. <laughs> Carlin Borisinko, I, I don't know her last name. I think that's her last name. Yeah. Gave a rant and... She got really upset with me on Twitter about uh, Ian had invited her on Free Talk Live or something. She was like, no, thank you. I don't appreciate what Aria said during my rant or something like that. And I was like, I don't I don't know what she's talking about. Right. So because I, I didn't remember which rant was her. So I checked my notes because we do take notes during this. And I was the jur- third judge to speak in her rant. And this is a rotating sort of thing where the first judge usually uh is meaner. And mm-hmm. the second judge is usually a little meaner as well. But when you're the third judge and it's rotating, one minute you're the first judge and then the next contestant you're the second, then the third. So so we're constantly rotating which one is doing what. But if you're the third judge, it's critically important that you leave them on a good note, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to have something negative be the last thing that they heard. Right, yeah. And, and that was my position. I was like, well, I was the third judge here. So there was no way I was e- even remotely critical. Then the video came out last year, and to say that I was 
I was the most vindicated that I've ever seen anyone be vindicated, right? Like, I didn't say anything negative about this rant. And the video's there on the Free State Project YouTube channel if you want to check it out. I'd highly recommend it. They are tremendously entertaining. It's just libertarians getting up there and ranting, usually for about three minutes. And we have a little countdown timer here. I may volunteer it for that so that they can actually see how long they have left because... Usually someone in the front row yeah. like holds up cue cards and stuff. But here we have an actual LED countdown timer. Uh, I could just set it for three minutes and sure. yeah. you know, instead of an hourglass or something. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking I'm, I'm gonna offer that to Carla. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. That's like the event I look forward to every single year because it's fun. And I like the libertarians. You know, here's some here's some cheat sheets for those. Assuming I'm going to be judging like I have been the last, you know, three years in sure. a row. Pretty much as long as the event has happened. What I want is someone who speaks with passion and mm. fire. I want to rant. I don't want you to give me a dissertation on the history of economics in the 18th century. I yeah. don't care about that. I want to rant. You want somebody fired up. Yeah. Get mad. One of the most interesting ones I've ever heard was someone ranting about how automobiles in the United States have been focus grouped and government tested until they're complete. There's three models of vehicle. In the United States, there's hatchbacks, trucks, and sedans, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. And I never noticed it until the, I mean, there's miscellaneous Jeeps and other stuff sure, as well. Yeah. But I never noticed it until this guy pointed it out that, like, he's, he's right. The, the, the car variety, the vehicle variety in the United States, it's every bit as homogenous as North Korean haircuts, if yeah. not more so. <laughs> Right, It's like the government has decreed us, here's your pre-approved body styles for your cars, and you may have one of these, but you may not do otherwise. Yeah, I mean, you, you go back to as early as like the 60s even, like cars were unique. Yeah. You know, uh, different companies, even even if they were under the same umbrella, like GM had a bunch of sub-companies, right? Pontiac and Chevy and, you know, that kind of stuff. And like, you could see differences in each of their models of cars. And then at some point, I think probably in the mid-80s, uh, all of a sudden you would get like, there was, a, I, I'm trying to remember, the Chevy Chevette was I've also... i heard of that. Yeah, the Chevy Chevette was also the Pontiac something or another, right? But it was the same exact car, different symbol on the front of it. You know how like there's oh. like the Volkswagen symbol and the Chevy symbol yeah. and the Buick symbol and the Pontiac symbol. So it was the exact same car. So you could you could get parts for either car and they were the same. So GM was doing this thing where they were making the exact same model of car and marketing it through multiple uh, sub companies under their GM umbrella. And they continue to do that. And you'll see things like uh, like the Dodge Neon uh, was the exact same body and suspension and every engine and transmission and everything as the uh, oh, what was it called? It was the the, the body style they came that that looked uh, more like an old school uh, uh, panel van. Uh, I can't remember what they called it, but so they I don't know. they basically just all they changed was the fiberglass exterior. Everything else was exactly the same, and so you. Know, Auto companies have gotten smart about this stuff, and they figured out how yeah. to do this. Toyota was kind of infamous for doing that with the the Tacoma and the Forerunner back in the mid to late nineties. Uh, the Tacoma and the Forerunner were the exact same uh, guts and suspension and transmission and engine, just had a different body plopped on top of it and bolted on. That's one of the reasons I like my twenty year old Eclipse, right? Is it is distinct, and even then, it, it is. 
not that's around the time when the sports cars in particular the mustangs and the the corvettes and the camaros they they started looking like crap in my opinion they yep. stopped looking like sports cars and they started looking more like sedans and that's only continued on since i recently sold my ford fiesta to the owners of the mighty moose mart and uh, uh, Chris used to be on the show here yeah, on Free yeah. Talk Live. Probably going to return at some point in the future. But anyway, so I told, sold my Ford Fiesta to him. But as I looked around, like everyone assumed it was a Ford Focus. And I owned one of these. I can't tell you what made it any different from a Ford Focus yeah. or a or any other sedan that you happen to see. And this was something I had never thought of. And a lot of the judges, I don't think he did very well in that particular rant. I, I gave him like a nine because that was original. It was new. And he was angry about it. Like, yeah. how dare these automobile manufacturers take right. all of this possible variety and condense it down to three different styles. Yep. And that's what I like. It was great. It was fiery. It was Put energetic. motion into it. Yeah. Of course, last year, a kid named Jefferson won. He did a speech about how Corona... And also, pointer, if you mention COVID-19 or masks, I will automatically deduct five points from your score. <laughs> I am so sick of hearing about COVID-19 and masks. Yeah. But he did talk about COVID-19, but in a different take that I hadn't heard before. I, I could have assumed it, but here was a literal 10 or 11-year-old kid talking about how the government lockdowns and all of that ruined his life and separated him from his friends and we knew that sort of thing had happened but he was here was one of the victims of that talking about it and that made it different it wasn't some entitled libertarian go how dare the co-op force me to wear a mask like well you could have gone elsewhere mo did a rant on this a few years ago that he kept saying, you know, what do you believe? And he was shaking his fist. There's a little too manufactured on the angry note, but he was spot on with this take, which is, you know, you libertarians, you say you're all about private property. But here's these business owners saying, don't come in without a mask. And your first instinct is to violate their private property rights by going in there without a mask. So there's a bit of a conflict here. So which one of these things do you believe? Right. And that, that was a good rant. It was interesting. But he left right after it was over. Like as soon as he finished speaking, he was like, all right, I'm out. So he wasn't even there to hear the scores. I think I docked him some points for that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, whose line is it anyway? It's not a serious competition. And I think that may have been the, com- the confusion that we had last year. It sounds year like a lot of fun. With Carlin and some others. Right? Like, the points don't matter. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you whatever points we, ha- we want. And then at the end, Jeremy and I and whatever judge will sit around going, well, who do we want to win? Like, we're corrupt. We are straight up completely corrupt. <laughs> Jeremy gave someone points last year for bringing him a beer. And I took away some points for someone for, why did I take? I don't remember why. It was completely arbitrary and capricious, right? <laughs> was it because they didn't bring me a beer? Maybe. I don't yeah. recall. Yeah. Or because, man, I really wish I could remember. But it was just for, for some completely silly, nonsensical reason. I'm taking two points away from you because you did this and I didn't like it. So it's it's all fun. It's all fun and games. And yeah. There's no reason to get upset, people. It's just a good time. It, it occurs to me that since the uh, the wedding has already gone on yesterday, and that uh, tonight is the uh, you know the, the the main big day of Fork Fest, that we're not going to see the second annual mini golf tournament. His well, I I don't know why we can't. Well, would have to do it during Pork Fest. Why can't we do it tonight? Well, well, I'm a, well, we'd have to do it late after dark. 
Because I'm doing my thing, and i got to prep for that. You're not doing your thing until like 8.30, though. Right, but like I said, i got to prep for it. i got a van full of stuff that still needs to go in that thing right? after the tent gets set up. The mini golf then, tournament usually takes place at like 4.30, though. Uh, we'll see. We'll you see. Don't, you don't think it would? Huh? We'll see. I, you know, it depends on, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Forkfest. Who yeah, i got to deal I'll with my Matt dog because someone untangled her rope, and now she has way too much slack to actually get out there and into the street and into other people's property and stuff. So that was doing that. So I did not catch anything that you said, but it's all mostly taken care of now. So, so uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Forkfest is what I'm calling them, uh, Matt and Nikki. Oh, okay. You know, uh, depending on what they're well, doing. Well, technically, Jay and Shallon have the original claim to that. They were the first to get married at Forkfest. Okay, but I'm talking. I'm still talking about the mini golf tournament here. Right. Uh, the winner of last year's tournament is not here this year. That's the B man. Uh, Who's the B man? He had the honey, the honey bus. We called him the B man. Remember, he was the guy who showed up specifically for Forkfest. He was selling, you know, fresh, uh, organic honey. I don't remember. Yeah. I will take your word for it, though. Uh, well, he won. Okay. The whole tournament, he came and kicked everybody's butt. Uh, and then, like, he's like, no, I'm not going to be there this year. So we can't even challenge him to to the crown. So I mean, we're he probably would have beat us anyway. I'm terrible. I haven't gotten any better. I haven't either. But it was fun. It we was. had fun. And, like, I was looking forward to that. But we'll see. I, I hope it happens. And it can happen whenever. I'm not, you know, that tore up about it. But We would likely have a smaller crowd this year, I think. Because there's been less planning going into it. Last yeah. year, by the time of the tournament, there were like well, 20 Nikki or 30 people, right? Well, was sort of the, the right? champion of that, too. So, like, I yeah. think she was the one who wanted to make it happen. So I'll default to her guidance if it's going to happen or not. I'll check with her and see what she wants to do. Because that, that was a lot of fun. And I was expecting at some point to do Acocalypse number two, right? Right, yeah. That was the name of yeah, it. Yeah, the, the, four, the four roosters of yeah. the Acocalypse. And it was a lot of fun. Usually the the penultimate night is the top night of the Porcupine Freedom Festival is usually about how it I mean of Forkfest not the Porcupine Freedom Festival because the Porkfesters start coming in right. and I love the Porcupine Freedom Festival but they change the vibe and this has been less true now that it's been decentralized mm-hmm. but like previously it was the Saturday before that was that was the night when the magic happened and uh. the Sunday that was the night right before the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and that was when the Pork Rangers would be here, and they would be riding around in their golf cars. And there's just something about the way they did it that seemed entitled and authoritarian. And I don't know exactly how to describe it, but it was unnerving. And this was the same year that one of them complained that she didn't have jurisdiction to say something about someone doing something that she didn't approve of. So the vibe would just change almost immediately, and it was a very curious thing to experience. Yeah, I my my reaction to that was the year that they stopped having um, the pork rangers. Uh, I was actually up here, and I was trying to organize Ranger Block. I remember that. People um, were Cop Block. <laughs> Ranger Block. <laughs> the Pork Fest exclusive version of Cop Block. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was necessary. They were out of control. Yeah. They had gone full authoritarian at that point, and they were embracing it. It was it was unpleasant. Nobody My didn't like that. My suggestion was that we should form Fork Fest Rangers, and, and like during Fork Fest, have the Pork Rangers block 
the Forkfest Rangers, and then during Porkfest, have the Forkfest Rangers okay. block the Porkfest Rangers. <laughs> so, uh, well, so Forkfest Rangers adversa- have adversarial system. The Forkfest Rangers would have absolutely no authority, and you know, we had Dennis Pratt on the show a few weeks ago. And he took a lot of credit for decentralizing the Porcupine Freedom Festival, but I got to be honest, Forkfest is responsible for that, as far as I can tell. Every everything I've seen and I was here for it suggested it was the decentralization of Forkfest and the success of Forkfest that led the way in decentralizing the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Mm-hmm. And that could be, you know, maybe I'm as wrong to take credit for it as Dennis was to take credit for it. Maybe it was just this organic thing. I don't know. But I was here and it seemed to me like offering people an alternative that was successful yeah. was what caused the Porcupine Freedom Festival to be like, you know what? Forkfest went just fine. We had a huge crowd that year. That was the year right before FUD. That was the year right before we moved it to after, and it was tremendously successful. Oh, wait, wait. You mean a little bit of competition went a long way? Yep. Wow, weird. And I wasn't the only well, one who... it was kn- competition, but it was also good leadership. So I've got to give, I've got to give credit to both things. Forkfest created the niche, but then Dennis maneuvered uh, Porkfest into the niche. That's that that's a really good way created. to look at it. Nice. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's really accurate. But we all noticed the vibe change. That Saturday night, I swear, man, it was magical. Uh, Ian mentioned to me that he had a dream tonight or last night about me, him, and his dog Jazzy. Jazzy is no longer with us, and I missed. I don't remember what all of the details were about the dream, but it was. Pretty. I, I can imagine that the reason he had that dream was because of all the time he and I spent together at Forkfest three years ago and four years ago. Yeah. That because Jazzy was there with us the whole time. So sure. I suspect that was related to it. But th- those Forkfests will always, in my memory, be remembered as like the best and the one, the last one where it was before, and then the year that Fud performed at Forkfest. Magical years, like truly magical years. Going to go down in my mood. Those will keep me warm during my prison sentence. Un- unless I'm sentenced in, in Alaska, in which case nothing is going yeah, to keep I, me warm. Didn't they decide that they were going to keep you at least in the New England area? Well, the judge said that he wants them to keep me in the New England area because having people close by encourages good behavior. Because if they threaten to take away your visitation, then you're more likely to behave well, apparently. But... The Bureau of Prisons is under no obligation to take the judge's word, right? Okay. They, they can do whatever okay. they want. And they're so probably... So the judge is basically suggesting... Right. Okay. And they're probably going to send me to somewhere far away from New Hampshire. And I didn't think this was going to be true. Someone wrote a letter to Ian and I recently, uh, someone who's in federal prison. He was like, hey, you know, oh yeah, you're going to survive this, but it's going to suck, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're high profile and the guards are going to go out of their way to screw with you. Yep. And I was like, no, nah, man, that's, come on, high profile. That's silly. There's no such, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm absolutely not such a thing. But I talked to a few of my attorney friends about this because that's something I didn't expect to have friends who are attorneys that I can talk to. Yeah. And sure enough, they reiterated the same thing that, you know, yeah, yeah, and it's going to suck. The guards are going to screw with you. And you're probably going to get, to some extent, other inmates screwing with you. So luckily, they, said, they all said the same thing that if you hire, I mean, if you have friends who are attorneys, they are more likely to leave you alone because, like, oh, she she's connected. She's got powerful friends or whatever. Right, yeah. But mm. they, they're, and they don't like it when people say negative things about them. Yeah. 
which I don't intend to write about my experience in prison while in prison anyway. To me, that's obviously a bad idea, right? This is not the time for activism yeah. when, in prison. The, the more activism you do, the worse it's going to make your life. That being said, I think uh, you'll probably find you know, some other inmates that uh, you can either uh, befriend or help. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, You can definitely do activism in jail. I did a lot of activism in you know, the year and seven months that I've done uh, so far. So I've actually done more time in total than, than you're looking at. Well, to and be fair, when I say you can't do activism, I, I mostly mean anti-state activism. Like right. you can't antagonize the guards in the state in, in any sort of – I mean you can, but it's probably not a good you idea to do that. You can't antagonize them past a certain point. They're 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 just like any other people. There are some people who enjoy a good debate, who are guards. Okay. And and in one case, I actually won that debate, and I say that I won that debate because the guy became an anarchist and quit his job. Oh wow! Um, yeah, that, I call that a win. <laughs> and actually, he spoke at Keenvention one year. Okay. Um, huh. That was. Was that the guy who came to the Porcupine Freedom Festival at one point as well? No, that was a former TSA agent, maybe. Oh, I think he was be. TSA. So I'm thinking about someone completely different. I drove the TSA people crazy one year. We we went out there and uh we were we were protesting and I was uh I was saying things like, Why do you want to put your hands on children? <laughs> you know, calling them all pedophiles basically. And the cops would come up and they'd be like, please stop doing that. And I'd be like, yeah, sure, okay, no problem, I'll do that. And uh, as soon as they'd walk away, I'd be like, what's the matter with you, you pedophiles? I love the shirts that say it's not gay if it's TSA. Those are some of my favorites. I can't go through TSA without getting felt up. Like It's guaranteed at this point because they only have two buttons when you go through the booth, male button or female button. If they hit the male button, then my bra is going to set it off. And they hit the female button, then other things in other places are going to set it off sure, so like yeah. i'm guaranteed every time i fly i'm gonna get felt up by the tsa for sure so i make a show of it i enjoy it damn it and it's fun like okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't See, that's the time when i want to identify as female but and i may start doing you. that <laughs> yeah if you're gonna feel me up i'm female and then, you know, have a loud, boisterous enjoyment of the thing as it develops. There's more coming up here from Fort Fest. Hour number three is next. It is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, and you're not invited to join us. You are invited to join us. It was almost out of habit that I almost gave out the number and all of that stuff again. But you are invited to join us, but you got to be here to hang out with us at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. We're here. Today is the last day of Fork Fest. But tomorrow begins the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Indeed. Which is a bigger and more attended event, and people are steadily. Oh, here come the porta potties oh, now. Oh, the big truck yeah. or tra- uh, trailer filled with porta potties. Now, obviously, ah, there's yes. close to like 3,000 people coming to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, yeah. and the bathrooms at Rogers Campground just aren't sufficient for that 
amount of volume. So they have to bring in others. I'm curious to see if they finish filling up the pool yet. Yeah, I noticed that uh, there's two pools. There's a, like a kiddie pool One's and then a, a regular pool, pool. Yeah. and only the smaller one has only the smaller one has any fluid in it. Is there a hot tub? There is a hot tub. I was not aware. But no. I, I would be surprised if they're going to bother just because it's so chilly this year. You'd have to be certified insane to go swimming in this. It's See, that's why they need to get the hot tub up. The hot I'm tub, I could see. I'm all about the hot tub. But I, I, I don't see even the, even the wildest of children being willing to swim in this. You could die of hypothermia swimming in yeah. this. Yeah. So anyway, we were talking about the SEC chair, Gary Gensler. I want to talk about this story because it's hilarious to me. I wish I could use cryptocurrency. I wish I could acquire cryptocurrency because I would love to acquire Gensler coin or whatever it is that they're calling it. SEC chair Gary Gensler, of course, has united cryptocurrency through the hatred of a common enemy. As these things tend to go, right? We hate Gary. I don't hate Gary Gensler, but I wish he would like screw off because he's doing everything in his power, as far as I can tell, to destroy cryptocurrency. He needs to get a real job is what he needs to do. And he's doing a very good job of destroying cryptocurrency. Now, a meme coin is rubbing salt in the wounds. I really doubt that he cares about this. This is from Blockworks, and you know they're going to post it. Uh, they're going to write about it in this ultra crypto friendly way. But mm-hmm. I sincerely doubt that Gensler knows or cares about this I, meme coin. I don't know about destroying cryptocurrency. He's certainly uh, tarnishing the public's view of cryptocurrency. Well, he uh, is. He's also working to put people in prison for using it, though, isn't he? I know the FBI is and Finson yeah. is, but I don't think the SEC, the SEC is a regulatory body. I think they just fine people. But I'm and and gut them and put them out of business like they did. Either way, it's a ridiculous alphabet organization needs to go away. It is so good. Gensler is the coin. G E N S L R is its ticker symbol. Ticker symbol is more than doubled over the past month to outperform practically the entire crypto market. And it's easy to see why. I would love to acquire some Gensler if if I could. Not just because, just to give Gensler the middle finger, and I don't well, know in what way that's giving him the finger, but my gut tells me it is. I was going to say, like, here's what I don't like about Gensler coin: uh, that I have to say his name, uh, and that it well, gives it's him, good Gensler, and and it, and it gives like just even the name though gives him more attention. Everybody's saying it gives him more attention, mm. and and I think that's counterproductive. Well, he's well the, then again, sunlight is the best disinfectant, and maybe giving him attention is not a bad plan in terms of paying attention to what he's doing and that's a solid the point. evil of what he's doing. That's a solid point. Well, even congressional officials have called this guy up and like, hey, man, what are you doing? This isn't right. you got to stop. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing yeah, has come Yeah, he's obviously a power-mad psychopath yes. on, a, on a, you know, a quest. But this is good Gensler, and that, that's very different from bad Gensler. Bad Gensler is head of the SEC. This is good Gensler, and it's more than doubled over the past month. As I said, good more than Gensler. More than $100 billion has been wiped from crypto's total market value over that time, melted by the SEC suing both Binance and Coinbase, which we all saw coming. And they're not going to stop, right? They've made it clear that they're going to target anything and everything as they sink their ravenous 
tendrils and claws in which, the cryptocurrency. Which only illustrates that government is not out to protect you. It's not out to uh, make your life easier. It's not out to do you any favors because what it's doing is it's preventing people who happen to live in the United States of America from engaging in new technology. Yeah. Where were these guys when FTX was happening, right? When FTX was doing all this shady stuff yeah. with Alameda. You would think if the government is going... They were staking out the, uh, the uh, Free Talk Live studios is right. where they were. True. Yeah, and that timing works out. <laughs> yes. But like, if you think that the government exists and is going after cryptocurrency in order to protect the masses or whatever, why didn't they do anything about FTX? Why did FTX play all the way out until it exploded and collapsed of its own in court on, on a court yeah. well Even, specifically it, it collapsed because they showed their balance sheet to some other exchange yeah. in hopes of getting a loan and the other exchange said oh my god <laughs> that was binance wasn't it was it binance uh, the other it exchange? was it was an oriental guy i don't know his okay. name um i think he was chinese he's he's one of the really big um, players in the field. Okay, that, yeah, China, uh, Binance is owned by a former Chinese guy. Okay. I don't remember his name. A former Chinese guy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I used to be Chinese for a while. Well, he's I started out at the bottom. I was born a poor black child. Wasn't that a Devo but Then song? I heard my first Manavani record, and I said, these are my people. Wasn't that so a I Devo song? I decided to become white. Uh, I think I'm turning Japanese. Uh, no. It's different than Chinese. A, I think but, that's a different band. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure Devo uh, covered it. Maybe. Yeah. maybe so Bitcoin did. and Ethereum both down. Uh, one down 5%, one down 9%. I don't find it particularly relevant when articles even mention cryptocurrency being up or down because, one, yeah. they don't give any time frame. It's, up, it's down from what? What it right. was a week ago? Right. It's mm. up from what it was three years ago. You're not giving us a time frame with which we can actually assess these things fairly and accurately. And it's sort of meaningless to just say it's down. That doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, cryptocurrency goes up and down depending on your timeline. If you look at the graph of cryptocurrency, it's just a matter of how zoomed out you are, whether right. cryptocurrency is up or whether it's down. Yeah. But even worse, these 18 to tokens that have been labeled securities in the SEC's recent lawsuits have collapsed between 11% and 41%, one of which is Dash, which we are promoting here on the show, obviously. We do that in exchange for 30, 32 Dash per month by yep. the decentralized autonomous organization that owns Dash. And the SEC listed Dash and several others. Gensler refuses to say which currencies and tokens are Ethereum tokens and which ones aren't. I mean, which ones are, are securities, securities right, and which yeah, ones aren't. Yeah. He will say that Bitcoin isn't a security and Ethereum isn't a security. Yeah. But he won't give us the metric that he's using to make yeah. those assessments. And, and these government agencies mm. disagree with even themselves on some of these definitions, and they won't get together and work to provide some sort of a definition to, well, everybody who wants to transact and build businesses around blockchain technology. So they're doing a disservice to everybody by losing what's known as the first mover advantage to everyone who resides in the United States of America who's mm. interested in doing this stuff or creating business. They have to go now outside of the U.S., They've made it a toxic environment for business here in the United States of America, losing the first mover advantage and doing a disservice to everyone listening and everyone that resides here in the United States of America. And even if you leave the country to do your thing, 
they're going to expect you to pay taxes yep, on yep. the business that you had to leave the country to start because they wouldn't let you have it. It's sickening what they're doing, and Gensler is on the record, or someone in the SEC is on the record as saying that they don't want to provide clarity to no. the rules because no. then people would know they're how to They're not there to regulate. The they're there to obstruct. Right. Yes. yes. But yes. you would expect that they're going to have some sort of law that they're – I really wish that dude earlier had not untangled this dog because now she just keeps going out <laughs> into the street because she's got limitless rope to play with. Anyway, they refuse to provide direction. They, they refuse to say what you can do right. to be legal because then if you know how to be legal, then you also know how to be illegal, right? It tells you exactly what to do. Right, and so, and so for now, of course, uh, since they've provided no definitions, uh, they leave everyone who transacts at the mercy of them. They can at any point claim, oh, you did this one transaction? That's completely illegal. Even though they provided no clarity, no definition, and no direction on how to proceed in a proper manner. So again, another disservice render the laws un- unenforceable because they are unconstitutionally vague. Right. And also, uh, keep in mind that uh, none of these things that they're levying against these either cryptocurrency exchange or cryptocurrency traders, uh, none of these things uh, were written into law through the approved lawmaking process, right? Mm-hmm. That right. is going through Congress and getting you know, all that kind of stuff. These were not put into law in that fashion. No, they were just arbitrarily created by the SEC. And all of this means that if the current market cycle wasn't 80s movies, crypto diehards would probably consider Gensler the love child of Biff Tennant and Hans Gruber. I don't know who that second one is. Hans Gruber? Yeah, who is that? What movie is it? Alan Rickman. What movie? Uh, Die Hard? Okay. Remember the, the, the I haven't seen guy, Die the, Hard the, since I was like the, five, oh, he was the, maybe? He was like the main bad guy okay. in Die Hard. I do know Biff. I want to die. Biff Tannen, absolutely a gross, evil dude. And he seems accurate to Gary Gensler. A big dummy sitting in a crumbling ivory tower hellbent on destroying crypto by refusing to apply anything but the ancient Howey test, which is the way they used to determine what was and wasn't a security. And I don't remember the specifics of the Howey test. I've but, heard of this. But he's not applying it. However, Good Gensler is an ERC-20 token that launched in April, and since the beginning of June, it's up about 111%. Not surprising at all. Once upon a time, in a parallel universe, there was a man named Good Gary. He came to defeat his evil Earthborn doppelganger, states the meme coin's portal page. And it doesn't give an actual link to where that page actually is. What sort of sloppy journalism is that, dude? Uh, you know, welcome to 2023, I guess. I guess, but man, you're writing about this cryptocurrency token. You're writing about the CRC20 token, and you're quoting it, and you don't give a link to their actual website? That's sloppy. Hmm. Like all meme coins, and I'm torn on meme coins, right? I, I don't know how to feel about them. They, they both do good and bad things for cryptocurrency. Dogecoin, of course, the original meme yep, coin. Yep. Got trounced, as far as I can tell, by Shiba Inu, and I don't know. It's got its ups and it's got its downs. I guess it gets people into cryptocurrency, but it gets into them for reasons I don't necessarily approve of. Like They they want to make a profit off of buying Pepe coin or whatever. Right, yeah. Instead of getting into it because they care about it. But then I wouldn't be trying to make a profit if I were to acquire Good Gensler. 
I would be doing it to give the middle finger to Gensler because yes. in whatever weird way in my head, doing so is a middle finger to him. He hates crypto, so here's a cryptocurrency named oh, so ERC-20 token named after him. And I hate yeah. Ethereum, and I hate ERC-20 pretty tokens. Much, pretty much the same thing that the Federal Reserve did to Andrew Jackson yes. by putting him on the $20 <laughs> bill, which is just the biggest... Oh, we're on regular radio, aren't we? Yeah, yes. we are. Yes, it's we are. just the biggest <laughs> screw you. So uh, like, <laughs> like all meme coins, there's obviously not much point to Gensler beyond jokes and the very peculiar brand of camaraderie that comes with holding a bag together with anonymous internet strangers. It's never going to do anything. It's never going to be anything. And it's probably never going to really make you any money. But it's funny. And I wish I could acquire some. This particular project mostly amounts to Gensler superhero memes, a telegram group, and a crypto-positive manifesto. It's steeped in fantasy lore that describes a scenario in which a well-meaning Gensler travels between parallel universes to destroy our bad Gary Gensler once and for all. And I kind of like that. I, I wish I could use telegram so I could read these stories. That sounds amusing. Right, like this mm. this narrative people are weaving uh, about good Gary going out like Rick from Rick and Morty to defeat the evil Gensler that we have in our universe. I wonder if uh, evil Gary has a goatee like Spock did in Star Trek. I, that that would be the way to. Uh, unfortunately, we can't change what evil Gary looks like. We can only change what, what good, good Gary, Gary looks, looks like. like yeah. But if if Gary doesn't have a uh, a goatee, then then you should give good Gary a goatee. Is that why South Park did that a number of years ago in their epi in their episode yeah. about this? Yeah, because Spock uh, grows a go. Uh, right. Evil Spock has a goatee, and okay. Evil Cartman was even though he had a goatee was really good Cartman right. because well Cartman the regular Cartman was the right. evil one. He yeah, because it's Bizarro Cartman. Right. It's not Evil Cartman. He wasn't evil yet at that time. Well, that he time was he was just a universe yeah. Cartman. It wasn't until till Scott Tinnerman that Cartman truly became evil. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. and, yeah. yeah, that's true. So here's the story. Good Gary, that's Gensler, G-E-N-S-L-R, was the founder of the Intergalactic Crypto Defense League and a champion of crypto. When the ICDL headquarters received an urgent call that the Galactic Banksters and the FUD spreader, were, that's fear, uncertainty, and doubt, were planning to destroy the crypto universe with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Thank goodness they clarified that right after I did. Good Gary knew he had to act fast. And that, that's all there is to this story. I like it. I wish I could. They even included an actual screenshot of the webpage, but did not link to the actual webpage. That is absolutely disgusting on their part. So that's, that's the story here. It uh, it's an ERC-20 token, so Ethereum. No, I'm saying what platform is the article on? Oh, blockworks.co. Just some okay. website I've never heard of before. I just happened to read about the story. I was like, oh, that's funny. I want to talk about that on the show. And you know, it's interesting. There are better ways, I think, of dealing with this. Right? But I don't know what they are. Yeah. Right? On on the ground activism in this note gets you landed in prison for 18 months. So it seems. Yeah. And the alternative is to write your congressman. And Ooh. why would you waste time and energy doing that? Right. Yeah, just, oh, you're going to become pen pals. That just you're not a bank. Your congressman doesn't care what you think. No. Instead yeah. of doing that, may I offer the alternative of punching yourself in the crotch for three hours? <laughs> It'll be more effective and only a little bit more painful. So tomorrow, we just had someone come up and ask us about ForkFest.Party, and that was an interesting experience. I mean, we do have signs all over the campground. You can find them here and there, signs planted in people's yards. Someone uh, replanted our signs, so thank you for that. 
Uh, as I mentioned earlier, someone untangled my dog's leash. It's not actually fixed to anything, right. right? For the most part, it just lays here on the ground, and she's usually good, so she doesn't wander beyond where she's allowed to wander. However, someone untangled it, so there was no tension whatsoever and no mental indicator of where she was and wasn't allowed to go. Yeah. And she got tangled up in the sides and pulled them down earlier. And someone replanted them, so thanks so much for that. But anyway, we do have a Forkfest sign here in the ground. We have one hanging up as well. banner? Well, we have a banner hanging up as well. But we have an, uh, also the sign there. Yep. And there's another one up there at the hill that I saw earlier when I was walking my dog. And it's so nice to see bumper stickers that are representative of Free Talk Live and Forkfest and... Things like that, right? It's nice to walk around and be reminded continually that these are our people, and they support us, and they love us. Yeah, it is. Uh, there, there is a, we'll call it a hardcore group of Fork Fest people who participate in the Fork Fest uh, every year and who, you know, either arrive early or stay late depending on, you know, when the, the Fork Fest was going to happen. It's, it's, you know, flipped a couple of times now. We have uh, some steel forks and we have some plastic forks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That was sort of my concern with Forkfest happening after the Porcupine Freedom Festival last year and the previous year. Is that like it seemed like it was mostly just like the Keene and Manchester, Manchester mm. libertarians hanging around, which is cool and yep. fine. But I would like to see people from outside yeah. of the community that I see on a daily basis. Well, and shout out to uh, that guy, Will, who came up here specifically for Forkfest. Yep. And didn't, you know, couldn't stay for the Porcupine Freedom Festival after, you know, checking out Free Talk Live. So there have been uh, some of those throughout the years, and we don't always know when people are here just for Forkfest and when they're true. not. Yeah, unless they announce it themselves and right. you know, tell us that, oh, yeah, I'm only here for you guys and here for just this, right? But we don't know. Right. You can look at the sticker and see how long they're here for, but that's only a, a general indication. And mm-hmm. that's only on their vehicle. You're, they don't walk around with the sticker saying how long they're going to be here. But it is a beautiful event. It's a beautiful time. And the Porcupine Freedom Festival begins tomorrow. I look forward to I haven't even looked on the schedule to see what all is happening this year. Yeah. Which I need to because there's usually a few events that I want to check out. Someone speaking that I want to check out. Of course, there's so much controversy this year that it's. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with like RFK Jr. I've, I've decided that I'm not going to that. Yes, same. I, I decided that a long time ago. I just don't know if I ever mentioned it on the show. So I'm mentioning it now. I'm what's, not going to watch RFK. What's the RFK Jr. thing? He's, he's going to give a speech. And, and he's taken three here? pre-canned questions. Yes, like You had to submit these questions in writing. Oh, it's only three in questions? Advance, and there's only three. I didn't know that. Like I knew that they were taking questions in advance, and some somehow someone somewhere was going to decide which questions were going to get asked. So there will be no Q&A by the libertarians who go to see him after his speech. It canned questions in advance so that him and his writers... You know, his his handlers can figure out how to answer them in advance. I like this is the wrong way well, to go about winning other, over Porkfest. Is people, any I other think. candidate sending us a message at all? Yes. Uh, Vivek is going to be here. I've heard. I haven't checked, but I know once upon a time people were saying that Tulsi Gabbard was going to be here. I heard yesterday that she canceled, okay. but that's unofficial. I just heard it in a Telegram chat. I don't know if it's. You know, I would love say to or not. Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, same. Aaron Day is also, he was offered a spot, but he wanted like Saturday at noon or something like that. And like, dude, 
uh, that's a tall order. Like yeah. any any spot on the Saturday, that's a big deal. That's that's the top tier speakers there, and you want noon on the Saturday. Like I. I, I don't blame Dennis at all for saying, no, look, you can't have that spot. That kind of feels like somebody's way of saying, uh, no, I don't want to go there, right? Like, oh, I wouldn't want to go there if all I can get the best spot. And it's like, yeah. oh, you know, come on, you're full of yourself, pal. Well, I would argue that the best spot typically goes to the rant competition that occurs uh, late night on Saturday night. Like on the peak night, usually it's the last event. I I would Soapbox say that. Idol. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's usually the top tier spot, and I think it's usually the best attended. Hmm. But that's the spotlight on libertarians, right? Allowing libertarians to get up there and talk right. about libertarian things, and it's amazing. Absolutely love it. Of course, we've already talked about that, and I can talk yeah. about that endlessly. Well, and I've said over and over again that if uh, any candidate of you know any weight wants to uh, learn about pork fest learn about libertarians just just come here yes yeah, but right? rfk get, won't do that get, get a site come in with your security team they're armed we're armed so who cares right but rfk it, does it, well okay so like that that's in how and these of itself, career politicians are that in and of itself should be illustration enough for everyone to go yeah this guy is full of it if he's not willing to meet us on our terms well, that's then exactly I, I it. I could care less about it. And that's my problem with this is libertarians thought, oh, look, we're being recognized by an official big name candidate. And now yeah, it's like, but we're not, but he should be bending his principles to compromise with us. Instead, we're bending ours to compromise with him. What does right. he have that we want? Nothing. Okay. He's, he's a politician, he's got some empty promises. He has followers. He's got that, and he's got the ego boost from having a big-name politician speaking here that makes other libertarians cream themselves. Oh, guys, we're official. We're big now, and it's great. There's more coming up here from Fort Fest, so stick around. We've got a test coming. It is Free Talk Live. Talk live from the final day of Fork Fest here at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. I don't have the list of amplifiers in front of me. If I was good at my job, I would have pulled that up during the break just now, which I could have done, but I didn't. But I do want to tell you about the amps program. You can find that at amps.freetalklive.com. That's our Patreon. And that's the best way, one of the best ways to support the show. If you value the ideas of liberty, recently the Heavy 100 was released for 2023 and we fell a spot, believe it or not, from number 24. We are now only the 25th top radio show in the United States. So we, we lost a spot there, but we're hoping to recline back up. And I'm not really surprised 2022 was an interesting year for talk radio, but... If you want to support the show, amps.freetalklive.com is the best place to do it. And I don't remember why. There was some way in my head that the Heavy Talkers, the the Heavy 100 was linked to the AMPS program that I was going to get into. And I've already forgotten what it was as I was talking. Yeah, it's not. Well, no. In my head it was. There was some way to segue from one to the other. And I have no idea what that was. Anyway, amps.freetalklive.com. Well, if you advertise, market, and promote, we may be able to climb that list more easily. Yeah. It it only takes five bucks per month. That gets you in. You can donate more than that if you want, but five bucks per month is all we ask. And you do get a number of amp-only perks. Ooh, I never did post that video. I'm going to have to do that. I have a video that I recorded with Bonnie and Nikki. 
that is a reaction video to a voicemail that someone left me and is extremely humorous. And I meant to post that and never did. So I'm going to have to do that tonight. Anyway, that's amps.freetalklive.com. You can get that exclusively at amps.freetalklive.com. With you today, it's Arya and Rich. Captain had to step out previously, and we're joined by Corey Haig, who is the author of Liberty Uncensored, The Freedom Papers. Is that right? Welcome. That's right. That is our newspaper that we started back in December, and so we're on our seventh issue now. I brought the uh, fourth issue here to Porkfest because we had an article written about Porkfest here in the Freak State Project. And uh, so did I you that say would Freak State? The Freak State. The Free State. Oh, okay. Whatever, I heard you know. Free Freak State Project, which we have been called. <laughs> well, that's applicable to some degrees yeah. as well, right? Like, I'm, I'm a believer in letting your freak flag fly. I'm pretty I freaky. Mean, <laughs> We've got the Satanist flag <laughs> flying behind us and the LGBT pride flag right there. It's, it's hard to get freakier than that, right? I, I love naming things, and of the things that I've at least helped name in New Hampshire, I think one of my favorite is the Reformed Church of Satan. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the Reformed Satanic Church. The, the order actually is important because of the Satanic Church and the Church of Satan. Wait, maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember now. Anyway, the Satanic Temple is that's what i'm thinking of it doesn't matter so yes uh we do have the reformed satanic church here in new hampshire and i am the high priestess of that and performed a wedding yesterday nice in that capacity and that was a lot of fun nice so anyway we're joined now as i mentioned by the author of or the owner of liberty uncensored so tell us more about this paper and is it only print or is there a digital version for people how does this work exactly Sure. So we do a online digital version that people can get for free at libertyuncensored.news. We also do distribution of free issues of the physical print to all the places where we have volunteers you know, with access to the paper that do distribution in different areas across the country. Um, like I said, we started in December, so it hasn't been running for that long, but we have already reached many, many, many thousands of people with physical prints, with online uh, version copies that we distribute with friends like Ernest Hancock. And uh, Ernest always gets the first page, so you're always going to be able to read from Ernest Hancock in the, okay. in the newspaper. Awesome. Um, and we have a lot of ev- other heavy hitters in the freedom community that contribute to this. We've had uh, David Rodriguez. We've had Kenny Pellerantano. A lot of people have been involved in the paper just for, you know right from the start sharing information that could assist in creating more liberty in this world or helping people find places where they might be more free, like New Hampshire and the Free State Project, Um, but also so many other topics that we can use to enhance our lives uh, from health and well-being and and wellness in general to, uh, like David Rodriguez, um, offering a way for our children not to go to mandated, you know, psychopathic school systems, uh, Mm. but rather to find their... um, graduation through alternative means and uh, still be you know able to access if they want to go to college or you know be able to use a degree for something whatever it might be yeah I noticed that one of the contributing authors was uh, Etienne de la uh, Ian always said his name and I never did Etienne de la Boise Square yeah that's it uh He's not a fan of me in particular. He, he's not a fan of Ian either, but he's definitely not a fan of me. He considers me to be controlled opposition for being the satanic tranny that ruined liberty in New Hampshire. I don't know. I don't remember exactly wow. how he characterized it, but he's not a fan. And if I'm, if I'm controlled opposition, will someone tell the FBI that? Because they're putting me in prison in eight days, and I would appreciate not having to do that. Yeah. 
But we are at the Free State Projects Festival. Well, not yet, but it will be going on tomorrow. And you do have an article here about the Free State. Where is Liberty Uncensored based out of? So we are completely remote. Everybody that volunteers, whether they're uh, editing, whether they're uh, writing a piece, whether they're distributing, whatever part they play, everybody's volunteer, and we do everything remotely. We don't have an office. We have very little overhead. And so all the money that comes into this paper and into this project goes into spreading information to as many people as we can possibly reach. Um, we don't have a base of operations anywhere. So what sort of paper, what sort of articles does your paper run? Is it just anything and everything related to liberty? Because I know Ernie Hancock, who you mentioned, I, d- I didn't know he wrote for the paper. He's always involved in a lot of projects, some of which I would say are a little bit zany, like the uh, the... The spaceship project. I can't remember what that was called. But, you know. SpaceX? No, that was Elon Musk, a a different crazy person. But you've got to dream big, right? And that's one of the things I love about Ernie is that he puts no limitations whatsoever on his dreams. And and Mm. magical things can happen when one does that. But what, what sort of things would Ernie write about when he writes for Liberty Uncensored? So every month we do a primary topic so uh every issue is topical to something this issue that we have in front of us is all about community and how um how we can develop different types of communities to create more freedom in the world and what it even means to be a community so we dive deep into each issue of the paper something different we've done uh for black history month we did black history revisionism talking about how the story is being rewritten to fit the narrative that the uh controllers want it to look like and want it to be uh we've done well i'm sure uh, the fact that you even did a black history you know paper offended a large number of the conservatarians i really i really hope that many people were offended because uh I forget who said that quote, but it's, um, I don't care whether they love me or hate me as long as they pay attention. Fair enough. So as long as people are looking at it, they're getting a perspective that most likely they don't get anywhere else. And uh, since we're delivering to the wide population, we don't don't discriminate between what type of person or what house we put the paper on. We put it on every single one, and we hope that a lot of people get inspiration from it. Sure. I mean, a cell is a cell, right? It doesn't matter to you if they're going online to rant about it. They're bringing eyeballs to it. Exactly. There's an issue to that, though, which is um, if you take rhetoric, which is, you know, the, ori- the original one of the three R's. It wasn't writing, it was rhetoric. Um, and there's three things you need for convincing rhetoric, and those are logos, logic, uh, pathos, feeling, um, and ethos. And ethos is basically um, to be perceived as a person of goodwill. So you don't want to damage your ethos because once your ethos is damaged, um, what happens is if you say a thing, your listeners are less likely to believe that thing. Um, it's like when George Bush or, 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 or Joe Biden or Donald Trump says something and we're like, okay, we can cross that off the list of things that might be true. Yeah, um, so <laughs> we, we, we avoid that by... Everything that goes into the paper, so any anybody anywhere can submit for the paper, and, and if it doesn't go in the paper, maybe we'll put it on the substack, right? So, you uh-huh. know, we want to get people's voice out there for sure, and 
if you are writing something that is explicit, like if, if it can't, if it doesn't have any basis in truth or if there's nothing to back it up, one of the examples I say is like, if you want to talk about the flat earth, you have to convince the editors of the paper at least that you have something to back it up. There's some place where yeah. the truth might exist there. If you can't that do that, reasonable. See, if you can't do the that, is, then there's no reason for us to put you in the paper because then you're just talking yeah. the way you might talk to anybody anywhere without anything to back up what you're saying. Right. If you have something to back it up, if you're going to cite scientific studies, if you're going to really put forward a strong argument, then we'll put it in there. But if you're going to talk about flat earth, we're probably going to put in something about round earth in the same paper. But we don't yeah. really do that. We don't really do that so much. So we've talked about like anarchism. We did a paper on anarchism. We did a paper on agorism. We did Black History Revision. You know, we try to keep it topical in places. Where Are you doing a Pride Month? article um, this we, pride month episode or no not, at least episode? not at least not this year and we're just getting started so like maybe next year we'll do that okay. but what we're doing right now the, the the coming up issues so the the last one that we did was unsung heroes and in that one we heavily focused on our friend johnny hurley who was shot by a cop in arvada Colorado. He happened, that happened during a porcupine freedom festival i yep. think two years ago yep and he, he was a friend of um of many of us who actually work on the paper and uh so i he, say that happened at that's incorrect yeah. it happened during yeah. concurrently with the porcupine freedom festival happening yep is what i meant sorry and, yeah. and so like um people like johnny who was shot in the back after he killed a mass murderer, he was shot in the back by a cop who watched the whole thing for 11 seconds before he shot Johnny. Yes, he showed up yep. reporting to a shooting, and he shot the guy who took out the killer, right? So, yep, and then so. he got a paid vacation, and then he moved out of state. So there's not really much going to happen to that guy. But um, So for Unsung Heroes, people that have done amazing things, that was our last issue. And then our coming up issue that's going to come out soon... Um, Actually, I'm not going to say what you, it is. You're going to have to find out. But uh, we know, always keep it topical, and we try to talk about things that are relevant to kind of the time that we're putting out the paper, too. So when we get to September, what are we going to talk about? Mm. Obviously, we're going to be talking about 9-11. We're going to have Richard Gage, oh, and we're going to okay. have a bunch of uh, information about that. But also, nice. we're going to expand that into the concept of what is a false flag? Um, how has government interfered with the peaceful general population throughout history you know a lot of different stuff around that so we try to we try to cover a lot of topics around our main topic as well now i really like uh breaking points and uh and uh the hill and i remember them both reporting um that two of the uh 9-11 terrorists were were cia assets and that this was only two. Uh, well, they they found evidence for two. Is sure. is the thing is you know we can, and and you don't have to know you're a CIA asset to be a CIA asset. If you're working for a guy who's a CIA asset, you're a CIA asset, but you don't know it. Fair enough. So, uh, um, the one that gets me always gets me about September 11th is how they found the passport of one or two of the hijackers in the rubble after 9-11. This fire yeah. that was hot enough to melt steel beams, as they say, and that destroyed yeah. multiple Rolls-Royce solid steel jet engines, yeah. left a paper and plastic card um, passport just fine. Yep. Readable. Yeah. Well, and then, and, and then I lost a lot of money on that because I invested in a company that was recycling Saudi Arabian park uh, 
passports into brake shoes because they have to have really high heat resistance. And, Solid and the reasoning, company yeah. went broke because they could not reproduce those results. <sighs> yeah, that's um, tragic. You know. Well, you know, the, I, I want to. I want to. I want to start a scientific journalism. Uh, scientific journal whose uh, whose uh, slogan is often imitated, never reproduced. Well, you know, the the <laughs> elephant in the room when talking about nine eleven is always World Trade Center seven, right? Right. So a building, the one that, that people uh, forget about. Right. Everybody, everybody every thinks year. That, that planes hit two buildings in New York City, but the thing is that there was three buildings that fell. No plane touched yeah. it, and it had an office fire, which never took down a steel structure high rise building in history. All mm. of a sudden, came down at the exact same moment that the two twin towers came down. Right that, after that the owner sense. of the building said something, uh, recorded as saying, "You know, there's been such a huge." loss of life today maybe maybe we should just pull it which in demolition terms means demolish it and then shortly after that minutes after that the building was demolished yep and since it was it turned out to be uh considered two separate terrorist attacks the owner of the world trade center he got his uh got his uh insurance to pay out Twice. And the FEMA report of September 11th, and as well as the 9-11 Commission report, both of them completely omit any mention whatsoever of Building 7. And that's mm-hmm. why when you go online, people are like, oh, remember the two towers? And you're like, hey, no. Two planes hit and three buildings went down. I'm like, what? There wasn't three buildings. And I look at and they go, I guess there was three buildings. What? Maybe the government's lying to me. You think? Like even physicists, I think his name was Stephen Jones, uh, who uh, Brigham Young University came out and like he, look, physics doesn't lie, right? If if there's no way for jet fuel to melt hot enough to melt steel, then it didn't happen. Like even under the best laboratory conditions, they can't raise it to that temperature. Then that's definitively not what happened. That doesn't yeah. mean that it, there was controlled demolition. Certainly not. It doesn't mean any of these other things. It could be that there was a high amount of, I want to say it was iron oxide in the, or no, iron oxide was the leftover from thermite. They, they right. created some scenario in which the paint that they used ha- could yeah. chemically become thermite during an ignition or collapse. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's actually, they presented it's actually some. Im- it's impossible well, because they, they use nanothermite. So nanothermite has to be built from the atomic level up. You can't uh, do it the reverse. So there's not something that will decompose into those uh, those uh, uh, okay, reddish that- reddish gray uh, powder materials they found. It wouldn't it wouldn't decompose into that. You actually have to build it the opposite direction. So now, it's actually impossible. Thermite. As I understand it, and, and, and tell me if I'm right about this, because it sounds like you've got some scientific... Uh, my understanding is that ordinary thermite is basically aluminum filings bu- uh, burnt in the presence of iron filings. Um, aluminum filings and burnt in the presence of iron filings. with generally a magnesium strip. That's, uh, that, I think, is what we did in high school chemistry, um, for thermite, I know we did thermite. I'm pretty sure that's in high school. Man, your high school was hardcore. Mine was, uh, I went to a military uh, academy, okay. so um, ours didn't <laughs> let us near anything fun. Like they wouldn't even let us have like bleach, right? Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm older than you are. And, yeah, no doubt. And your your generation got completely screwed on education in, in many um, ways. We did yeah. it to you, and yeah. you know you didn't do I fought it as much as I could. Sorry about that. From on behalf of my generation, we destroyed the schools. Well, we let the the boomers destroy the schools. 
we well, failed boomers to are going to boomer, them. right? I mean, boomers are going to boom. Yeah, you there's can't, nothing you, you can't can stop do them. about that. No. I, don't, I don't, I don't know about the filings, but you, you definitely have to uh, use magnesium because magnesium is the only thing hot enough to actually ignite the right. uh, final material. So, I mean, right. however, however else you're going to get to it, you have to use the magnesium. But, but in the end, I mean, what we're talking about is how that material could have been produced in the first place and it wouldn't have been produced by any decomposition of any kind of material. They would have had to go the opposite way with it. So they, they um, built n- nanothermite. And no, then they and, that's, ex- they, and that's not how you do it. You get refined aluminum and you get uh, refined uh, iron and you're combining them. You're not separate. You don't have to separate. You, you don't have to combine chemicals with chemicals from which they were previously se- separated. You can just you know, buy them both at a chemical store and mix them up at home. Yeah, but when after you use it, the decomposition process, you're you're not going to have leftover material that uh, it, it represents nanothermite because you have to you have to build yeah. that from the ground. It's not like regular thermite, and so because we found that, it proves that they used explosive material yeah. inside of the building. You're not going to find nanothermite on a friggin' jet plane. Well, I want to move away from nine eleven here yeah. because I think it's safe to say that none of us believe the government line. And my <laughs> that's gen- my position. I have no opinion on what yeah. did happen. That's exactly my position. That it's not what the government says. Right. I don't know what happened that day, but whatever the government said about it is definitely not what actually happened. So yeah. what else do you have planned for Liberty Uncensored? You mentioned the possibility of you know the a Pride episode next year. With, I, I'm not really a huge LGBT Pride kind of person, but I like frustrating conservatives. I, I like making them feel like, oh, God, we've lost control of the liberty movement that we never had control of in the first place because libertarians aren't conservatives, and I love reminding them of that. But that's, that's the only reason I have the LGBT flag right there is because to give the middle finger to the conservatives, especially now when the conservatarians are really on the rise and pushing and trying to make society more and more conservative. And you mentioned September 11th um, being an... Uh, 9-11 being the focus of a September issue. Do you have any other plans for a specific season? And how is it? Do you just hope that there's coincidentally enough people writing about September 11th, which I imagine from libertarians, it's really easy every September. There's probably hundreds of libertarians producing articles about 9-11. But on other subjects, do you have to like put out some sort of mailer asking for, you know, articles about this topic or that topic so I, I i after uh over 10 years in the community of freedom and truth movements and going to events i've met thousands of people and so basically i reach out personally or i go through the other other editors and writers and stuff and we look for people who are interested in writing for the paper but we also put out shortly before we we um so we're always a month ahead and so before we start putting the paper together we reach out to uh, a community you know community in various ways, different telegram channels in certain places. And we say, does anybody want to write for the paper? But then also it's open to the public. So if you want to write for the paper, you can uh, send a document to us um, and we can find a place for it. Um, If you're trying to find out what the next issue is going to be, the best thing would get on our telegram chat. um, And uh, I think that's just Liberty Uncensored on telegram. You can find it that way. Um, I love but ta- we put out all the information on there. So if you want to write for the paper consistently, I mean, get on the Telegram chat and you'll find all the right information that you need. I love projects like this. One of the earliest things I did in the Liberty community was write for a collection called V2, The Voluntary Voice, which was just a collection of a bunch of libertarians that I had never even heard of, obviously, writing about topics that I had never read about. And it was th- that was the first time I heard of the term anarcho-capitalist. 
And I thought it was just completely nonsense. Like, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. So I sat down one day to write about why it was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard. And like two paragraphs in, I realized that I had to be an anarcho-capitalist because nothing else was actually consistent. And I would mm-hmm. never have come to that realization. I, would ne- I probably would have at some point, but I came to that realization perhaps more readily and more quickly than I would have without the existence of this compilation of libertarian writers. So I love it when things like that happen. And I would never have bought this book if I hadn't been one of the people who contributed to it. I didn't buy it. I was gifted it because I was one of the contributors, but I would have never read it if I hadn't been one of the contributors. So that's a value. Giving libertarians a platform that they can use to get their voices out there, I think encourages them to hear the voices of others. Yeah. And actually, you know, I'm I, this, this. I'm apolitical in every way. I don't care what uh, part of the political area somebody exists in. It, it, if you have something to say about how to create more freedom, whether at the individual level or the community level or the national level or the world level, I don't care. As long as what you're saying can be actionably applied to create more liberty, more freedom in that environment. So I'm personally as purist anarchist as you can go. I think all government is is uh, uh, an abuse of people, but we surrender certain rights when we have a government so that we're protected as a, as a unified force. But just like our uh, original constitution, the Articles of Confederation say is that mm. the body of the people is the militia, the body of the people is the government, and we create this this entity called government to manage affairs so that it makes it simpler and easier uh, mm. to you know, do something that affects everybody simultaneously. But is government actually necessary? I believe absolutely not. Is government a good thing in the end? Absolutely not. Mm. But um, but if I don't care if you're libertarian, I don't care if you're democratic, I don't care if you're Green Party, I don't care if you're Republican, I don't care what you are. If you have something that is an actionable item that we can use today to create more freedom, that's all I care about. That is awesome. And that's libertyuncensored.news for those who want to check it out. Libertyuncensored.news. And you said look up Liberty Uncensored on Telegram. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. And this was Chris Haig, the owner. Corey. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was looking right at your name, too. Yep. Thank you so much, Corey. <laughs> and I, I don't know where I got the Chris from. But anyway, I wanted to Thanks wrap up this segment us, by yep. telling people about that. I've been watching people come in this whole show, and now little Zoe's has arrived. I saw them packing up off and on throughout the week. Other the um, I love Ben of Goldbacks has arrived over here. So people have begun to arrive in real numbers now, like people that I've been waiting to see all year, so I can't wait to go out there and do that. You can come hang out with us because we are here for another week until the 25th. Check us out online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. That's freetalklive.com. Wanna move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate. Well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. 
Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com.